Hey, it's Jeff Mosher. Adam Kaplan and I love using Anchor for our Inside the Birds podcast every week. It's so user-friendly, anyone can create their own podcast, and you should too. Just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor gives you everything you need to start your own podcast from your phone or computer. Its creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast for a professional sound, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many other platforms. It can be heard by everyone, just like Inside the Birds. You can also make money from your pod with no minimum listenership. What are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to create your podcast today. Inside the Birds is back. What's up, everybody? Adam Kaplan, Jeff Mosher here for Inside the Birds podcast that we have been promising, threatening to uh, deliver our audience for quite a while. Uh, it, t- trust us, it's, it, we're not going to bore you with uh, bad stories. We're going to give you some great stories from that we've acquired throughout our years. You'll laugh. You guys probably. are going to laugh. You'll have a good time. But we're also going to... My expense and his expense. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, probably. Sure. You'll be laughing at us, not with us. But yeah. um, but we will also get to some Eagle stuff, too. We don't want yeah. to make you think that we're going to sure. ignore any of the hard news because there's been some news out lately that we'll get through. Um, so we, we've kind of completed our series. We did our NFC East preview series with Greg Costell that you can still check out. Every single team analyzed. Then we did our training camp battles, offensive battles, defensive battles. So go back and check those out. And we've got some really, we've had some good interviews lately for Inside the Birds TV. Um, if you didn't catch our one with Todd Harriman's, it was great. And Todd's such a, a valuable resource for us because he's played, as Adam noted during the interview, he's one of the few guys who's played four different positions in the NFL on the offense. He's offensive line. He's played every single position except center. And he probably, could, well, he's a little tall, but he, he might have been able to, he, athletic enough to move him hey, at center Dickerson if he needed is. to. Yeah, That's Todd's a good point. Todd's what is he six 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 five six six five? Yeah, but he's a he's also a long armed six six. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. He was a pretty good athlete. Um, mm. But yeah, and the thing about this particular interview was like, okay, so we had some things we wanted to talk about because we went the three of us went back and forth, and Todd would respond a certain a way that we weren't expecting, which is good, by the way. We got in in tw- whatever this interview was twenty some minutes. I'm telling you, we got in like. 10 to 12 items in this. This Because I remember you and I saying after this, holy smokes, we talked about so much stuff we weren't even planning on talking about. Right. It was so good. So right. Good. It was. No, Todd's great. So we always look forward to having him on. And, of course, this podcast, most people are listening to Monday morning. Now, Tuesday morning, our next ITB TV will drop with Peter King. And, man, that was a great interview. He had a lot to say uh, on the Eagles. He had a lot to say on the Aaron Rodgers situation, the Deshaun Watson situation. And I thought he had a really interesting we, – we hit him before he left, Adam, with a, give us how you see the NFC East unfolding this year. And I thought he had a pretty interesting take on that as well. So everybody yeah. should go check out because Pete's been around a long time. He's got his ear. So he knows what's going on too. And yep. um, yeah, uh, it, it was just a really good, solid, thorough interview. I, needless to say, Pete is a lot like um, us a couple of months ago and a lot like the Delaware Valley. He's he When he looks back at the Eagles – over the last 18 months, Adam, right? Even now, like every, we've all moved forward because we've had to, but when you look back on it, you're like, did that all really just happen? Exactly. <laughs> Think about it. Just, just last year in July, 
right? They're thinking Super Bowl. They had just made the playoffs. Carson got hurt in the game with Clowney hitting them, but you know they added some guys. They're they're thinking about running this thing and and what they can do based on that. And then uh, here we are, a year later. The head coaches change, the defense coordinators change, the starting quarterbacks change, the defensive scheme has changed, the offensive scheme is probably going to change. I mean, there's been a lot of change that nobody saw coming. No, no. I mean, you, you do wonder, we, we haven't talked about this part before, but you do wonder if Wentz had played well, well obviously then maybe he wouldn't have got a bench and maybe he wouldn't have his issue with Peterson. Or the, obviously, the one has to do with another, but – of course. I just cannot believe that it had happened. I, I remember when the story came out from ESPN in December. I'm like, what? He wants out of – then it was like, well, if he's not the starter, which is absurd, obviously, because if, he, if he's not starting, obviously he's going to want out. But, of course. But that – I had no idea, neither you or anyone else, the the depth of Wentz's issues with, with the football team. I'm like, I, I, they, somehow they kept it under wraps and it was just kept under wraps. And I'm like, man, where – and as you talked about it, being a blur, I just – it's almost hard to believe with all the drama with this organization's had uh, for different head coaches and front offices and players and mm-hmm. all sorts of situations. And, and, and all the four sports here in Philly, I don't follow the Flyers much, but it was Sixers, obviously, with Sam Hinkie, uh, which is incredible, the Hinkie manifesto, <laughs> all that that happened. You know, you, you know you, you're a big Phillies guy, so I maybe you're a better guy to speak to, to that of any kind of drama. Although they're starting to turn things around a little bit, obviously they've been fun to watch lately. Yeah, but the Eagles still run this town, and the drama of this football team—it never ceases to amaze me. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And um, hey, you know what? I think for people our age, like they're getting kind of used to this. Every three or four years, the Eagles kind of un- going through some kind of strange transformation that they didn't see coming. Whether it's the end of this, the Kelly yeah. era or this, or even the way it ended with Andy Reid. But um, hey. Only, only have the future to look forward to now. Yep. Uh, Q and A, by the way, Q and A was awesome last week. Um, if you if you missed it, I even cut a segment, a six minute segment of it that was really good on Jason Avant explaining what happened that led to Michael Vick having going from this great 2010 resurgent, almost MVP like quarterback to a totally different looking quarterback in 2011 and why the regression was there. A lot of it had to do with the offensive line scheme and things that changed that I don't know that everybody knew about uh, at the mm-hmm. time. So it's really good, and I, I even cut that out as a separate. Um, they're going to answer more questions, have another great uh, show this week. It'll start at Wednesday. on uh, at, Well, it'll drop Wednesday at 6 a.m. like it always does. So make sure yep. you're checking that out. All right, um, Adam, we will get to some of the key important dates. First, as we always talk about, we love winning. We, we, we love to win at every single level, you know, it's high school or we love watching teams win championships and we'll never forget all of our great memories that we have. But uh, while we've long retired from the field a long, quite a while ago, we're still <laughs> winning because we've used we use DealDash, the online shopping platform. That's actually fun. DealDash is the longest running penny auction website and app around. Man, if that sounds too good to be true, you're right. It is. We've seen a car go for about $900, a brand new TV, less than $2. Can you imagine paying less than $2 for a brand new flat screen TV? No, I can't believe it. Uh, Only on Deal Dash. So don't be a loser. Stop paying full retail price for things you want and get on Deal Dash. Go to DealDash.com or download the app. And when you register, use that promo code ITB for a special offer for some bonus free bids that's itb for a special offer for some bonus free bids 
All right now is a good time with training camp, uh, you know, less than two weeks away, where we go through some important dates on the calendar that everybody needs to know about because some things have changed. I know the cut down date has changed. Um, and we have everything's some, changed. Everything, yeah. everything has really changed, Adam. So, yeah. um, obviously, well, do you know what led the NFL? I know this is COVID related, sort of, yeah. but yeah. what led the league to decide? that everybody would start training camp. Almost everybody will start July 27th. The only people who have it earlier are the two the teams that are playing, what, the Thursday night game? Yeah, it's it's the for the uh, Hall of Fame game, the Steelers, the Steelers and the Cowboys start this Thursday, mm-hmm. three days from now. Uh, my first – actually, my first training camp team on my, my tour, um, I actually ju- just requested – I got approved for Washington. But my first one is, is Pittsburgh Steelers. So – uh, Steelers Cowboys, uh, they they report this week on Thursday, and the Buccaneers because um, they're in the opening game, um, they get to um, they get to report early. Um, they the rookies and the veterans and so forth. So, but getting back to the Eagles here, yeah, this week the um, later this week the rookies report along with the quarterbacks, and uh, as it does with every team, if you're a rehabbing player, you get to report early. Right. And as you said, the following week. Uh, next Wednesday, the 27th, they report the first practice is on 28th, the Thursday. Um, now, the, I would just warn you, be careful um, expecting anything significant happens. It's not uh, because of the rules. There's only so much you could do. You're allowed to do. I know the CBA, I know the first, uh, I don't have the rules in front of me, but there's a, 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 a ramp up period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the first hard news we're going to have in terms of practices, it's going to be the following week in, in the first week of August. Right. Not that we won't have something after they have three or four practices. We'll have something. But uh, we're going to have harder stuff um, in the first week of August, as we always do. And um, we'll we'll start getting an idea of who's winning jobs and losing jobs. So what the Eagles have lost out on because of the, the, the different format is didn't oh, – yeah. If you were on a new head coach, didn't you get two things? You got an didn't you get like an extra week of OTAs, and also you got to start training camp faster, yep. quicker, earlier? One week, yeah. You got all the new coaches before the COVID. Every year, you got to start a week earlier, and every team would do that who had a new head coach, right? Uh, and they're not doing it anymore. They're uh, because they're still under COVID protocols. They're they want to keep it the same. I I, I mean, it, it sucks. I know where you're getting it. You're absolutely right with with Sirianni because. Remember now, folks, they did not do 11 on 11 on 7 on 7. Right. So I, other than, we, you know, we, we've talked about some of the shapes some of these players came in. Um, I, I don't know how much – and I know Sirianni's big on, on competition. But I, I don't know how much you could really evaluate uh, in the offseason because they're not doing any teamwork. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I mean, look, the, we, we talked about the difficulty teams had last year, certain players, certain teams trying to get rookies yeah. in, and there were some rookies that did really well. Justin Jefferson, for example, uh, Justin Herbert, for example. Yeah. So it didn't hurt them. There are others. You wonder if it did hurt not having the time. So there's really no empirical evidence to say one way or another. Um, but I do feel like extra time is always good. And the fact that the Eagles don't have that because of the new coaching staff, that, that hurts a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see how they bridge that gap. All right, so we're going to get into some of the other important dates in August. First, I want to remind everyone uh, – Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you can turn a dollar into $100 in free site credits if you use the promo code ITB. That's promo code ITB to turn a dollar into $100 in free site credits with the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right, so, Adam, in August, then, you mentioned this, that, and, and I'm glad you did because 
not that people are going to be flocking to training camp like they used to. It's not Lehigh anymore, but it's not going to be like it was where you got like basically two days of vets and then bam, you're hitting. They're going to ramp it up. Um, So it'll be a while before you get some really major contact practices. Um, August 8th is the first public practice at the link, right? And there's only going to be a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. that I know of. I think there are only two, but um, two that I know of. So so basically later this week, again, um, you know, the Eagles rookies are supposed to report um, the, the first practice together will be next Thursday, the 28th. Then as we get into August, this is really interesting with some of these dates. So mm-hmm. you mentioned the first public practice for the fans at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday, the August 8th. Then they play their first preseason game on the 12th uh, at home against the Steelers. Uh, now, it's going to be interesting because we, we have three, not four preseason games. Actually, the Steelers, because they, uh, they're they in the Hall of Fame game, get four. Right. So this actually be their, fir- their second preseason game. This is the Eagles' first. It will be interesting to see if Ben Roethlisberger plays in that game uh, because it, it this will be their second game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you typically, if you have four preseason games, the the veterans either play none at all or the first series, second game, maybe a quarter, third game. Obviously, it's a half or into the third quarter, and they don't play in the fourth game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here with Roethlisberger. Yeah, um, looking forward to going to their training camp uh, next week. And then now this is where it gets interesting. Okay, so. The Patriots come in the following week on Monday and Tuesday, the 16th and the 17th, for joint practices at Novacare. But here's the interesting part about it. The first cut down, 85, happens to be on the second day of the joint practices at 4 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. This happened. This happened, I remember, years ago. Yep. And the player was told after practice set that he was cut. It might actually have been against the Patriots. <laughs> um, I don't remember. The, 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 it was definitely here. And I remember the player getting cut after practice. It was just so weird. Yeah. Um, so that's the first cut down. And that's, I mean, that's five players. So right? yeah, exactly. they cut that. It's not, it's That'll not, be easy. Not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is, by the way, the old way to do it. Then if you remember, yep. um, they cut it down. They, they got rid of the three cut down dates, which we have now. We'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just went from... 90 to 53. I mean, it's <laughs> but what would happen is like during the fourth preseason week, t- they would start cutting players. Not a lot. Teams would not a lot, maybe like three to five, get down to maybe 85 for that final game. Cause the starters aren't going to play, but you have to have, you have to have enough people to suit up. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams knew that they were going to, that they pretty much knew who they're going to cut. Right. But it'd be the final four to five players that, if they play well, they might have a chance to stick. And also, guys they don't want to put on tape, they'd hold them out. Oh, yeah. Yes, they would. Another trick. Yeah. Love All right. That. So, um, so yeah, we got the 12th. Is By the way, well, I think even more interesting than Rolfus Burger playing or not, based on what we know about how they treat veteran quarterbacks or starting quarterbacks, it'll be interesting to see how much Jalen Hurts is going to play yeah, sure. in these games. I mean, normally, like you said, the starter doesn't play that much in the first game and then he worked, they worked their way up more, but I mean, this is a guy who needs reps. So we'll see how much he winds up playing. Yeah. Yeah, Like this is could be a Kenny Gainwell kind of game because I I just have this gut feeling. He's going to be a little bit more of a factor than I I originally thought. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that winds up meaning, we'll, we'll we'll find out more. Mm -hmm. But um, so, so we just talked about the cut down to 85 on the 17th. Right. And they have another public practice on Sunday, the 22nd at the link. Yep. And then uh, two days later, now, here, this is, again, where it gets interesting. <laughs> they, they practice with the Jets in, in at the Jets complex in Florham Park. Mm-hmm. 
uh, on the 24th and 25th, Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, they cut down the 80 from 85 to 80s on Tuesday, the 24th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Right. So again, we're gonna we might have players cut after practice. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. It is always strange that they're cut after a practice instead of a game. That is, it's very <laughs> odd. But you know what? It, right. It's right. those five players that you pretty much can tell who are gonna probably be gone anyway. Right. So the 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 next one is twenty seven players, assuming the teams are down to eighty and not like seventy nine or seventy eight or whatever. Right. But the initial cut down to fifty three. It, there's never a final like people call it final cuts there's no such thing it's right. called it i call it the fluid 53 is <laughs> the next day folks it changes so on, yeah on tuesday the, the 31st is the cut down of 53 mm-hmm. at 4 p.m eastern that's a tuesday it's amazing how many tuesday things are going on with this football team yeah you know yeah no doubt about it and, and then yeah the next so day, i like it by the way i like that i said that before i like the fact that they're doing it earlier um yes because the there's no fourth preseason game exactly so, it makes um, sense Except for obviously for the uh, those those three teams, actually the two teams, the uh, the Cowboys and the uh, the Steelers. But so the next day, of course, this is when we you you could claim wa- players off waivers, mm-hmm. and you you establish at 12 p.m. Eastern on uh, September 1st, you can establish your practice squads. These are important, as we know. Oh, this very. Is- yeah, four p. Yeah, actually, let me see. Uh, I'm looking at the the league sent me. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Oh, they're not doing the 12 p.m. Eastern. Ha! This this they're is not? they've never done this before. It's actually going to be 4 p.m. Eastern, not 12 p.m. Eastern. Hmm. Claims uh, are 4 p.m. Eastern uh, the next day, uh, which is the first, right? And is, is that the West Coast teams, teams haven't the West Coast teams made a little bit of a stink about that in the past that they had maybe basically so. that's like 9 a.m. for them when it was right uh, right know. maybe so that's you know you bring that up I'm going to ask why they're not doing a 12 p.m. Eastern they've always done that now mm-hmm. it always had been on a Sunday because remember it's the, the Saturday before week one right um but because there's no fourth preseason game they're doing all these things in in, in during the uh fourth pre- the for, the final practice week so that's that's fascinating that that's really interesting that they're doing it that way and um, the final day of training camp, technically, by, by rule, um, could be September 5th because, again, remember, we don't have a fourth preseason week. But most teams will be done the final week of August because there's, they're just going to they're, they're get ready for week one anyway, right. a little bit earlier. That, that's the advantage if you have opposed to having a fourth preseason week. There you go. All right, so that's pretty much the July-August calendar, and all that stuff is coming up fairly soon now. I mean, we're getting we're getting close to training camp. It's now it used to be like it's this month when we first got into yeah. July. Now it's like uh, it used to be then a couple weeks away. Now it's like wow, you know, um, less than two weeks away. So a lot to get uh, excited about, as I always do for training camp. All right, I'm also excited about stories, my friend. I've, I've got some. You got to fill in some major blanks for me. As long as I for as long as I've known you. Um, I've known how sort of how you came up to be Adam Kaplan, NFL insider, mm-hmm. but there's like, I got, I'll ask you about it in a minute, but like, I almost don't know how you got started with this thing. You know All what right. I'm saying? So, right. bef- but before the, hold that story, right. yeah, hold that story. Sure. Sure. Cause I got to remind our friends to check out our other friends at phlsportsnation.com enhancing the fans experience with their coverage of all of our Philadelphia sports teams. They're for the fan by the fans, their motto Check them out. Great coverage, great content, great podcasts even. So go check them out. And if you want to find them on Twitter, they're at PHL 
Sports Nation. Let's pause real quick for another word from our sponsors, including our friends at Sky Motor Cars. Sky Motor Cars in Westchester is a different sort of dealership. All it takes is one look at their Highline pre-owned vehicles that people over the country want and need. Owner Brett Schuller, make sure you don't spend a dime of your money before you purchase the car. Sky Motor Cars allows you to make all the decisions regarding your next vehicle. At Sky Motor Cars, you never have to spend more than necessary. Visit SkyMotorCars.com today or call 610-918-7225. All right, if you drop into Sky Motor Cars, make sure you tell them that Adam and Jeff sent you. You will get a great deal. We promise. All right, so here's my memory, right? I'm, you know, I'm covering the Eagles. I'm in this market. Um, I, I, I used to be a religious watcher, uh, like everybody, of Daily News Live, and then it was Philly Sports Talk, and I would see you on there, and Adam Kaplan, and underneath your name, right, it would say uh, a website. It would be like ProFootballInjuries.com. Is that good is that call correct? by you? Yeah. ProFootballInjuries.com. Now this well, it was- is. It's actually footballinjuries.com. Okay, footballinjuries.com. So now, right, you got to so remember, he, this is like 2005, six, seven. Yeah. So it's not like everybody works for a .com these days or sure. even starts their own .com. I'm like, who is this guy and how does so, he know so, all this? All right. So here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Glazer and this guy named Steve Cohen. Jay Glazer obviously from Fox. So they mm-hmm. brought me in to be their editor. I'm the only one like of the three of us who had any editorial experience. So you're talking about at Fox, you were brought in to be an editor. Right, right. But before that was actually, uh, uh, actually, I was a blogger. Okay. But before that, no, but on uh, mm-hmm. footballinjuries.com. Right. The, the business name was Pro Football News and Injury Report. Okay. And I hated the name. So I told Cohen and, and Glazer, I said, we're changing this. This is ridiculous. It's too long. Mm-hmm. So we're changing it to footballinjuries.com. And actually, they they kind of fought me on it. Mm. They're all, you know, what do you, who do you think you are? And I was a partner then. They brought me in as, uh, <laughs> after years of partner. I said, guys, we've got to be known for something. Right. Known for football injuries. Mm-hmm. People play fantasy. All these NFL teams subscribe to our service. This is before you could get, this is before social media. This is uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been, blo- I, I was one of the first, probably first bloggers on the internet. I'll get to that in a second. So, uh, to make a long story short, I became a partner of this website, and I kind of was the, the the pulse of the thing. I, I I was our the guy that everyone sent their practice reports in. I would hire most of the writers. Gosh, Ralph Acciano worked for me. Wow, from the New York Daily News. Okay. Yeah, Bill Williamson. Um, right. God, Chris Brown of the Bills, who writes for the website. Yeah. I could go spit our work for me for a little bit for one season. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I guess I've never talked about them before. This is great. Um I could go team by team, uh-huh. the guys, the writers that we had. And so, yeah, it's kind of a who's But who. how did you even know Jay Rob Demosky, yeah. Rob, and, and how did you know Jay Glazer? And um... Yes, yeah, so, so so Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen, right. Yeah, so Steve Cohen, who was uh, Mike the Medoc, who's uh, produced for many years. Yeah. Uh, I called him to come on a fantasy football show that I hosted with my nephew, Sam. Because mm-hmm. he was the injury guy for ESPN.com. I'm like, how's he getting all this information? It's unbelievable. Right. So I said, hey, would you mind coming on our show? He said, sure, because as long as you promote our business. I said, hell yeah, man. Yeah, it was a, a pro football news injury report. He actually had a 900 number, mm-hmm. which I'd eventually take over and be the voice of it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, that, what a dog that thing was. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, so, so yeah, I got to know Colin and uh, Glacier was his partner. I didn't know him at all, uh-huh. but I get to know him and we all became friends. 
I said, Hey, you really like, you have a, you know, a passion for this thing. You want to, want to come in here. We'll bring you in first and then we'll see if you want to bring you, uh, make you a partner mm-hmm. after a year that maybe, you know, we, we became partners. What year and is I this kind about? of, uh, I'm sorry. What year is this about? About 99. Okay. 1999. Now at this point, you're not like, you have no sources at this point, right? You're, you're not like, Oh, no, well, here's what, this is interesting. Now this is interesting. So I asked Glacier, I said, Hey man, could you help me here? You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. He was a mentor for me. Jay and I became you know, very close. Um, mm-hmm. Cohen, I know, but we Jay and I became very close. And uh, he was sort of my mentor for the business early on. And he explained to me kind of how the, the way to do it. His route is we're both non-traditional journalists. You, you know, we, I would say at the very least, we kind of figure things out. Yes. And he was, he was kind of helping me how to, you know, c- cultivate sources. He kind of not going to tell me who his sources were. Mm-hmm. Folks can guess who some of his, it's not a secret who some of his people are, but people kind of make fun of him of some of his favorite coaches, but that's another story for another time. That's my guy. He's such a great, I got to tell you of all, you know, you see videos, you see all this. He's actually one of the best people I've met in my life. He's actually a great dude. I've, I met him like maybe once or twice, but I always, people always talk glowingly of Jay. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's, he's all a bravado. You could throw that out. He does incredible charitable work. Um, yes, he does. He does. For, um, servicemen and women and just uh, really great dude. So anyway, um, Jay helped me out just to, to kind of figure out how to cultivate sources, what to do, mm-hmm. how to go get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just gave me some pointers and yeah, I would take it over from there. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're our, we, 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 owned, we sold the company to John Hanson in 2008, but so, so let me get back to Comcast sports. And so what happened was mm-hmm. uh, when Comcast sports started in 96, they were looking for some fantasy people. I was working with my nephew, Sam, uh, who had the he had the website called ffinsider.com he was the fantasy football insider mm-hmm. he was one of the first pay it was before matthew berry who i knew was matt mm-hmm. uh it was really john hansen's site john and sam were bitter rivals john had fantasy guru sam was ff insider there were like f- four or five pay sites sam was one of them mm-hmm. i was his editor because i had editorial experience based you know writing and stuff so um I naturally edited uh, all this work for football injuries. I, I would hire the writers. Um, Cohen and Glazer had writers they hired. I kind of said, I t- when I, once I took over, I'm like, I have control this. Mm-hmm. I basically got rid of half of these guys because they didn't know anything. Some of these people that they hired. Mm-hmm. Um, some were very good, really good. Some were just not because I know what I wanted. I wanted information for fantasy for people. Ga- ga- gamblers wanted this stuff and NFL teams. Right. I wanted to mix it all together. And make it make it editorial, reportable, and streamline it. Mm-hmm. And these things were like like the the magnet card. This thing was there was too long. It was like <laughs> one one run on sentence. I was like, this is ridiculous. Well, we got to sh- we got to clean this thing up here. So right. Um. You know. Anyway, long story short, I I, I took care of that. So that was my role. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were partners. Glazer and and uh, Cohen would get the great injury stuff. My God, the stuff that these guys were getting, mm. particularly Cohen because he was the first injury insider on the internet. Right. He worked for ESPN.com. Him and, and uh, John Hanson, John was the first fantasy expert, and Cohn had these chats, these chats like every Tuesday or something. I was mesmerized. I'm like, how's this guy getting this information? Right. But the other part of it was Chris Mortensen. Mm. Mort was an absolute inspiration for my career. I was blown away. Let me, let me, let me give you a nugget. This is stuff I've not talked about before. So... I go to fan. I, I start to get a name in the fantasy business, because uh, I, I just I was the one guy who was like, 
not only was I a news aggregator, but I, I had a, I, I cared about the minutia. I was like so into this stuff, man, the, the, the information. Mm-hmm. So I go to this fantasy football uh, convention in Minnesota for fanball.com. So they pay, they pay more, you know, to come in to speak. And I remember we're at the Vikings press box and we, we had, a, we had an event there uh, during the day. And then at night we went to the Vikings game, but during the day more, we, we were more it's like, you guess us anything you want. Ask me anything you want. I said, Mort, can you tell us what's the latest with Dorothy Levins? He had a contractual issue with the Packers. Now, this is before texting. He goes, all right, you know, I'm going to call Ron Wolf. And I'm, I, I'm like, come on. So he takes, <laughs> takes his phone. And I'm like, my mouth was agape. I'm like, whoa, this is unbelievable. I'm like, I am so like, blood, this is 1998. I am so like in awe of this thing. Uh-huh. He was my, I, I, he was like my hero anyway. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, I can't believe this guy could do this. Like, right yeah. in front of us, he's dumb. And he's like asking Ron Wolf, but like he could have put it on speaker, I guess, on his phone. Mm-hmm. So we got the information. He, he wasn't reporting it then. It was just, uh, there was no internet or anything. I mean, there was, but there was no Twitter. He was just, maybe he had reported before. I don't know. But he, he's like, ah, he, whatever the story, whatever he said, maybe Dorsey's, they're still having issues, whatever the issue was with the contract. And I was just like, this is ridiculous that he just did this. I couldn't believe it. And, and, and then, you know, that was 1998. You know, that, that, that to me really motivated me. I'm like, this is unbelievable. This guy could do this stuff. Mm-hmm. How can I do this? So, you, as I said, one story led to another. So uh, Comcast Sports Enough brings me and Sam on to do, to do segments for free. They weren't paying us. And it was to the point where it was like 2002, 2003. And my, I started to take off a little bit with the injury stuff because Cohen – Cohen left. He went. He he, he went to SiriusXM. Right. Um, he left in 03. I took over a lot of his gigs, um, and I like I became the injury insider for the country. Really, I was just I just had this affinity for injuries, mm-hmm. and I had my sources were do- team doctors. Obviously, I'm not getting into who I spoke to, but right. a lot of trainers and all. I started learning about MCL sprains and and. Uh, high ankle sprains and actually the first thing i the other inspiration i had was john clayton had deuce daly's lift franc injury and i'm like who what yeah i didn't know what i was like what something about stirrups and that was like the first like who what is a liz frank yeah i'm like and who then i feel like everybody had it after that right i was like who is this woman I don't know. <laughs> and then he fell that the deuce unfortunately fell down the vet stadium steps or so he fell and he yeah. had a setback and then Deuce had the holdout, but, um, well, you know, he wanted more money and Andy kind of got him back and all this is just, you remember that, that was another story. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so, so to move this forward, I was trying to figure my life out, figure my career out. Uh, I'd met my, my then, my now wife, um, you know, we were trying to figure things out. That was interesting. Uh, that part of my career. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, I said, listen, my career's trying to take off here and we'll see where it goes here. My wife and I don't have any kids. I said, I, I got to start going to events. So. I started going to the senior ball and combine in, in 02. Mm-hmm. And what was your first combine? You remember? Um, oh, geez. Um, six or seven? Oh, eight. Okay. Do you remember at get ballpark, maybe just how many people you thought went, might have gone then? Media-wise? Yeah. Uh, it was starting to get pretty popular yeah, there. Yeah. Not like it is now, even though, sure. I mean, they're, they're, you know, probably like, uh, well, put it this way back then it was, um, 
still on the concourse yes. of the Indianapolis of the of the, the Indianapolis Stadium. So it was Yeah, the RCA dome. Right, yes. the RCA. Dome. So you could still fit the meet. It was it was a not, not so big where you needed like five rooms, right? You know, so now you could so you can you can take it from there. You remember that. So sure. So, so in 02, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. My friend Tony Pauline, you know, you know Tony. Yeah. Tony's now with Pro Football Network. He begged me to go. He went the year before the Danny Tomlinson's uh, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have got, oh, well, I think whatever it was, oh, 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 or oh, 01 was Tony's first year. And we became from that fantasy football conference in 98, actually, which was in Las Vegas. When I met Mort, it was probably 99. Anyway, so Tony's like, you got to go. The information is unbelievable. Ah, all right. I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. It was. As you and I know, as the fans know, but the senior ball, particularly the combine, the information that's coming out. This is before, this is before, and that's why I asked you. This is before anyone had any idea of how great it was for information. And trust me, when I was not telling anybody, I kept my mouth shut. I'm like, not telling any reporter how great this thing is. Right. So Tony would get into the combine, and he somehow would get in. And uh, this is my first little story. We go to, to a, this is probably 02 or 03. I have to look it up. I didn't look it up, but we, we snuck into a pro day, a combined pro day in Los Angeles at the, the Home Depot Center, which is where the Chargers would have their, their games, you know, when they were displaced before they went to uh, their new stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when Butch Davis was the head coach of the Browns, and they had a contractual issue, I think, with Dennis Northcutt, I believe it was. Oh, the wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Northcutt was there and we were not allowed there, but there were no media was not allowed there at pro days then. And we got in, no one knew who I was. This is mm-hmm. not, on TV locally in Philly, but no one knew who the hell I was. And we were team garb to get in. <laughs> and I had two friends. I had a couple NFL sources and, and they about, you know, whatever they gave me, they gave us a shirt to wear. Uh-huh. And we got in and it was, it was cool because the reason why I'm bringing this one up, it was a combined pro day for University of Hawaii, USC. I mean, you could down, there were like between five or seven schools, and uh, it was the coolest thing ever. And I was nervous the whole time that I was going to be found out and be like, get you know, thrown, like not thrown in jail, but like excommunicated from <laughs> being able to cover the NFL. I thought I was going to get in trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, it was so cool, man, because we were watching them lift. And I was like, this is so cool. I got oh, good man, stuff. I can't believe you got back there. That's like Fort Knox, man. I know, back then. But this, <laughs> this is not. Now, here's what I did. So I was working for Scout.com then in 02 or 03. Mm-hmm. It, used to be, it was the original rivals before the idiots forgot to renew the um, the name. <laughs> right. So so they lost it, and they had to come up with a new name. So they called it Scout.com. Which probably but, was better, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. Although this Rivals.com is more for, um, like, recruiting. But right. So anyway, Tony and I snuck in to that pro day. And it was – that was when I knew. I was like, man, I got to go to every event. Mm-hmm. I would wind up going to everything. Uh, Senior Ball Combine. I'm the only really reporter goes, like, East West Shrine. Um, every owner's meetings. I was, like, out of my mind. And mm-hmm. I was, like, so – I was so juiced for this stuff. Right. And as you know, because, you know, I would run into, I didn't really know you until when did we get to know each other? Like 10, 11? Like a couple of days ago, I think. No, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, just, I remember us really kind of, um, like we've always known each other. We were on TV a couple of times together. Were we? You were going to be on next. and You know how you're waiting in the green? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we would chat a little bit at um, Lehigh. 
What well, was your first year with uh, not Lehigh? Yeah, Lehigh. I saw you a couple times at Lehigh. Okay. What was your first t- year at Comcast Sportsnet? My first year at Comcast Sportsnet was 2012. 2012. Okay. Wait, hold on. It had to be earlier than that. No, no, I'm sorry. It was 2000. That was my last year, I think. 2009 then. I was only there for three years. So it was probably, man. No, 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 what, no, no, what, no, no. What, what was uh, Chip Kelly's first year again? 13. 2000, what, 2013? 13. So yeah, 2012 was my last year. Really? Was it that long ago? Or like into 2013. Yeah, that was my, yeah, that long ago, man. Because I remember. That long ago. I can't, I could have sworn I was at ESPN when you were um then you just you just left there. Huh. Well, I feel like what happened was I I was out I left Comcast on my own volition first, yeah. right? Yeah. And I you knew about it because I would see you at the at Novacare. We'd started to get to know each other a little yeah. better, and you had gone through some similar issues with Fox. I want to say when you were yeah. at Fox.com, right? Uh, Fox and I was explaining to you yeah. some of the obstacles yeah. I was going through at Comcast Sportsnet and why it looked like I wasn't going to, you know, sign my, the contract that they offered me. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause we, so we became like kindred spirits, right? We knew, yeah, we knew what it was like right. to work for a big company that said it valued what you did, but then action spoke otherwise sometimes. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it right. was a weird deal that what happened was I got laid off during the first time ever in my life. I got laid off. I got laid off during the, uh, the lockout. Yeah, that was a tough time for the whole industry. It was bad, man. And I, I was, thank God, I, I was very lucky to, I'll be honest with you, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine, Darren Morgan, do my deal with, with Fox. And I remember calling him. I said, hey, man, you know, they, as you know, they, they um, declined to roll over my option. So he took me, he felt really bad. So he took me for dinner and, and he saw I was up. He said, why are you up? I said, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Other than me and my wife. He goes, why do you feel that way? I said, I just know. I'm going to be able to do all these things I wasn't allowed to do. And I won up. <laughs> I won up. I don't know. Do you know this? I actually had a show on IP and in, in the FNAG at the same time. I remember. I, I do remember you telling me about that, how you finagled that one. Yeah. Here's why. Because the Eagles, I work for Spadaro. Right. And I, I, the <laughs> Eagles own the, the, the Eagles own the, um, the show. So I, I, I did the pre, I did pre and post for the Eagles uh, on IP and I had a show with Joe to camera. Um, but I was not allowed to talk about when I was an IP, I could not mm. talk about anything else. I could not talk about the other station. It was really right. bizarre, right? But it was cool. It was actually cool. So anyway, you have to be the only person in the history of Philadelphia sports talk radio to do that. I know. I know <laughs> P- people still don't believe it. Glenn McDowell knows. Cause he, I remember running into him. He thought it was, he thought it was actually ridiculous. I was I was allowed to do that, but I tried <laughs> I'm to, sure. Yeah, I tried to explain it to him. He just couldn't understand it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so you and I ran into each other, and I just knew something about you. Mm-hmm. There was something about you and information, and I always put it in the back of my mind. I, I didn't know when this would matter. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like okay, there's someone in our market because yeah, I covered 32 teams, but there was really no one in this market that covered the, the league like I did. Right. And like the information, contracts, behind the scenes stuff, the craziness of this uh, this organization. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, the locals knew it. I mean, the local reporters had some sort of idea. But you look at the game the same way I did because I love I love football. I just happen to the byproduct is all the scoop, you know, the scoops that you and I would do. Right. But I love football. So anyway, um, you know, we kept in touch, and then you know I would hear stuff about you. And I, I had heard you covered baseball, but I'm like, Moshe, when did this happen? So let, that's what, let's get to you. Enough about me. Baseball, yeah. I, I've never heard this about you. So, so where did you start your baseball career? So, all right. So I went to Penn State 
Um, I was there from 94 to 98. I wrote for the, the Collegian, which is the, the student newspaper there. Uh, I covered the football team, which is like you have to work your way to do that, to cover Penn State football. And I got my first job right out of Penn State. I was very fortunate hmm. uh, in, a, in a paper in nah, – it's either North Jersey or Central Jersey, wherever you live. It's in Somerset County. It's called Bridgewater. Uh, it was the township where the headquarters were, but we covered Somerset, Union, Hunterdon. And, um, what paper was it? It's called the Bridge, the Courier News. It's still Courier. around. Okay. It's still around. It's a Gannett paper. Gannett was a is huge it, chain. It, they own, own USA Today. Was it the Courier News and Post or something? Uh, no, no, just the Courier News. Courier, Courier okay. Post is South Jersey. Okay. Right. Um, for those who live in J- South Jersey, they know very well the Courier Post, Phil Anastasia and all. Uh, sure. Kevin Minnick, guys like that. Oh, Phil Anastasia is a legend. He covered. Yeah, well, yeah same oh. ownership. That's a Gannett paper as oh. well. So he's another um, guy I got real quick. He is an inspiration. It's funny. Phil, I don't even know Phil really. The greatest guy ever. He's such a sweetheart, but his, when he would go on IP and the great sports debate, this is when the great sports debate, we've never really talked about the show. I love that show. Mm -hmm. The original one. We're not talking about the reboot many years later. This, cause he had the crossover between buddy Ryan and Rich Kotite, and his detail of when um, Jeff Fisher and Rich, it was either going to be Fisher or Kotite. I was like, how the hell did he get this information? Jeff Fisher confirmed it for me years later over a beer at the Combine that mm-hmm. um, Jeff was so pissed off that he didn't get it, so he went to the Rams to be their D coordinator. Amazing. He didn't want to stay to be on Kotite staff. Yeah, well, I can't blame him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. To be honest, I can't blame him. PBH, yeah. Yeah. So I, so the, at the time I, I get hired by uh, the Courier News, they, it's twofold. One, you know, you cover high school sports when you start off at it. That's how it used to be. You covered prep sports, right? High school sports, sure. which was cool. But at the same time, the Atlantic League, which is an independent, ba- it was an independent baseball league with a lot of very wealthy um, owners. You know, a lot of, if you're a minor league baseball fan, you know that independent leagues have been around for quite a while, but yes. they're usually poorly funded and they don't have great resources and of course none of the players are um you know the reason why they're in independent is because they didn't cut it in single double or triple a so it's mm. you know you'll you, there were they had they had independent leagues in texas and louisiana in the midwest and they were always like eh, okay but sure. this was starting in the northeast with huge population density and very little minor league baseball places like atlantic city and bridgewater and newark new jersey and long island and you know all over the new england where there's towns that like minor league baseball right so it starts up. I, I'm hired to cover this team, the Somerset Patriots. Um, their manager is Sparky Lyle. Now, if you know anything about baseball. Oh, my God. And anything oh. about Sparky Lyle, who also pitched for the Phillies. But he was he really came to prominence as a left-hander who pitched for the Yankees. Number 39. He threw one pitch. Yeah, he threw a slider that nobody could hit. And he could just throw it. and throw. It's kind of like Mariano Rivera's cutter. Sparky threw a slider. Nobody, and he's left-handed. Uh, but bar, did he still have the mustache? The, like, oh the, yeah, he had. He literally has, still had the handlebar mustache. He probably has it today. Um, so look, he was hired because the owner of the Somerset Patriots, a huge Yankees fan, he knew hmm. George Steinbrenner. He knew who Sparky was. He wanted a face. He he wasn't looking for a manager that was really good in X's and O's. He's trying to sell a product, you know. So he hires Sparky Lyle, who everybody remembers. And if people don't know, Sparky Lyle wrote a book called um, called um, The Bronx Zoo. And The Bronx Zoo is about what it was like being on the Yankees in the late 70s, uh, 78, 79, 80, when they were just – like if you think the 93 Phillies were a gas house gang – 
honestly, oh. they were just that the the more modern version of the '86 Mets, who were a more modern version of the late '70s Yankees. That's just how baseball oh. culture was. Uh, yeah. back in the day so part of like park sparky's book was legendary i mean he talked about how two of his teammates traded wives i mean think about that two of his true oh. teammates traded <laughs> wives right that means for that trade to have occurred there had what? to have been the acknowledgement that they were cheating on their with, with each other's wives and cool with it and then they just traded them i mean it's unbelievable i mean reggie reggie jackson who went to say i went to same high school Cheltenham. yeah um the crazes of billy martin right i mean just oh billy martin crazy manager and sparky oh. himself was he used to um he hated like when uh when they brought ba- birthday cakes to anybody in the clubhouse <laughs> so he used to he used to drop his pants and sit on them before the person would be presented what? with a birthday cake yeah i mean spark uh. so this is the this is the manager that i'm about to go cover and he's this is years later but he's like literally the same dude just a couple of years later let me tell you, the first game I was supposed to cover, yeah. uh, I wasn't officially their beat writer yet. They were playing down in Atlantic City against the surf. All right. Um, I got surf. lost yeah. on the way to the, the, the Sandcastle, which is where the surf played in Atlantic City, right there on, on Whitehorse Pike, right? Yeah. I get lost. So I didn't get a chance to, before the game, go down and talk to Sparky or meet yeah. people. So he had no idea who I was. I'm there to cover the game. They blow it in the bottom of the ninth. And, oh. early, and they were a horrible team first year. Um, they were, they actually didn't have a lot of home games cause they were waiting for their stadium to be built. So they had to play every game on the road. So you can imagine, you know, how, how annoying it was for this team to just constantly lose games on the road, not have a home team yet, a home stadium. So his team loses. He doesn't know me. I go down to the field like a dumbass, right? I should, when I think about this in the, I'm like, I was such a, a rookie, right? I should have yeah. gave him like 20 minutes to relax, like digest another bad loss. Uh-oh. No. I go, the game's over. I go, no one's helping me because, like, there's just nobody there to help me yet, really. Like, a press staff, right? Sure. So I just walk down the aisles of the Sandcastle. I don't even take the elevator to the press. I never room. heard of this. Where's this Sandcastle? It's, um, all right, if you're going into Atlantic City yeah. on the White Horse on, on 40 slash 322. Okay. If you get off exit two of the AC Expressway. Yeah. And you're going toward Atlantic City. It'll be on your left, right before the—I um, forget the name of the bridge that you cross over. That you're in Atlantic City, but yeah, you're, it's like you're you're entering on the southern end of Atlantic City there. Okay, all right. It's oh. right next to the. There's an airport called Bader Field. Right yes, there, Bader there. Field. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's right Got next it. to Bader Field. Now I think all they do is have concerts. I don't even know if anybody goes there for anything anymore. But so I I go down the steps of the the concourses and just walk onto the field. By the way, you could never do that today at any kind of game. But Nothing. I just walked onto the field. And I go up to Sparky. He doesn't know who I am. I did a terrible job of identifying myself. And I say, um, hey, do you oh, got gosh. a second? So he looks at me. I got a pen and a pad, right? Because this is the 90s. Yes. Uh, he probably thinks I'm an autograph seeker or somebody trying to like <laughs> hit him up or something after he just suffered like the 11th loss in a row and bottom night. And he looks at me. He goes, what? He goes, F you. But except he didn't say F, right? He says the full thing. I'm like, what? He goes, that's right. Fuck you. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh my God. This, wait a minute. Is this your first assignment? First time covering the Summers at Patriots. Oh yes. my. And this is your first job, right? It was the, literally the first conversation I ever had with Sparky. Oh <laughs> so, so, so wait a minute. I, I mean, me personally, I, I it never, all my issues would happen like with, with agents or club, whatever, you know, would be uh-huh. later. 
Uh, it happened like my first couple of times. So yeah, this no, is I was first... like fresh off the boat there. <laughs> right. So, so how the hell did you react? I would have been like, Oh my God, I would have been like shell shot. Well, he, I was, he just marched away into, you know, down the dugout, probably into it, into the visiting office. And I'm yeah. standing there like, well, that didn't really go ideal. No. <laughs> how did, so you as a young, you're in your early twenties, right? Oh, I'm at this point, I'm like 21 years old. Oh my God. Old, how did yeah. you handle this? I, it was okay. For some reason, I had heard enough about Sparky and I knew about oh. his, his, his life, how he was as a player to kind of expect a little bit of a gruffness. Oh Someone my. once said to me, you know, have you seen the movie major league? And I'm like, yeah, of course I've seen major league. You like, you remember Lou Brown? I'm like, of it's just, course. It's just like He's that. like, well, that's kind of like Sparky. So yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. So what happened was one of his players, a starting shortstop was still sitting in the dugout with like his hands. I'm telling you, this team was like the bad news bears, man. This guy's sitting with his hands in his, in his, like, you know, his head in his hands. Like, Oh, I can't believe we just lost another game. And I gave it a few minutes and I sat down next to him. His name was Ken, Ken Arnold. And I said, um, Hey Ken, how's it going? He goes, Hey, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, I, I, you know, introduced myself, told him who I was. He's like, Oh, all right. I'm like, can I ask you just a few questions about the game? He says, yeah, sure. No problem. Like the total opposite reaction. Sparky Lyle. From Sparky right. Lyle. And then I caught, uh, I went into the locker room after and got a few quotes. Um, I never, I don't even think I saw Sparky was legendary for, um, you know, how players like change, they drink a few beers, yeah. they hang out. Yeah. Sparky, like, get, it's almost like he slides down a pole like a fireman. So he's out of his uniform, into his regular clothes, and he's out the door. Um, so he was gone already. So I didn't get a chance to, like, kind of patch it up with him. Wow. So. The next year, so that was the year they were on the road. We didn't cover every game. So the next year, they we're going to cover every single game. I go to spring training. So I, I had a more formal meetup with him. And I sit down on that the first day, like, we, hey, you know, I'm Jeff. I'm going to be covering you all day. He's like, oh, hey, hey. I'm like, hey, can I tell you about the first time we met? <laughs> oh, did you say that? <laughs> yeah, we had a pretty good laugh about it. That's cool. Now, Sparky was legendary. Now, again, if you read the Bronx Zoo, you know Sparky was a king prankster right and i got to witness some of his greatest pranks uh firsthand even as a manager of a minor league team uh, there was a team in in bridgeport connecticut the bridgeport bluefish right mm. and bridgeport connecticut for those who don't know is not a very it's it's a, it's a pretty rough city it's you know yep. like if you know about camden or philly or any of rough it's it's a pretty rough city and so spark they would the, the team hotel was downtown main street bridgeport um so Sparky didn't want anybody going out, getting into trouble, anything like that. So uh, he would open up the hotel bar for all his entire team. He basically would throw his team a party every mm. time they went to Bridgeport, okay, just to keep them in the hotel and, and safe and sound and everything like that. So I would stay at the same hotel too, and I would come down just to, like, say hello and, and schmooze a little bit. And I would watch everybody just, you know, you're getting free drinks. So ballplayers literally are just like, they're like triple fisting. They've got everything coming down, yeah. right? And Sparky would see this. And uh, at, a, at a certain time at night, Sparky would start to make his way around the bar, talking to his players, like in, in a very, you know, father, ah, we're going to do this. But he would take out his false teeth and drop it in their drinks as he, as he was like patting them on the back and telling them. And then they would be like, Oh, thanks. And then you would see them like take their beer and start to, or their, or their whiskey and start drinking it, see the teeth and literally go, ah! and, like, uh. throw it. <laughs> and he would do it 
to at least nine or 10 in a line because nobody's really paying attention. You know, Sparky's just going to, it's like, nobody really wants to talk to the manager unless the manager wants to talk to him. So I would just sit there and watch him go down the line and drop his false teeth in people's drinks and see the reaction. And Adam, he would do it every time. And it would would scare them. It would almost like, it was like, they'd never seen it before. Even though the last time in Bridgeport, he did the same thing. Minor league baseball. Gotta love it. uh, Minor league baseball. He also, uh, He had a his pitching coach went a couple of years was John Montefusco used to yeah oh the uh, count of Montefusco sure count was a a, you know an interesting cat Um, I don't think count really drank much he just he would have a little wine right and I remember once Sparky uh, and the count were just you know chit chatting and I think I think Sparky wanted to do a little bit like be a little people with more character right not character like a little more spunk and and yeah John was kind of laid back right so John would go to the bathroom. Sparky would take Vaseline, right, um, and take John's glasses and rub, <laughs> rub like Vaseline on it, right. Wow. And John would come back and he would put his glasses on, right, and he'd be like, "Oh man, I must have drank too much, Sparky. I'm getting it's you know because he's looking through foggy glasses now and he's thinking that he's drunk, <laughs> so he's got to go back to his hotel room. And I think that God. was Sparky's way of like moving on and and having some more Hilarious. fun. That's actually a really that, that's a good nugget. I yeah. could, I could, that's a good one to get. So if you want to get someone out yeah. who you're bored with, uh, screw up their glasses. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But it was, it was a cool job because I get to drive yeah. um, all up and down the East coast and cover baseball. I love baseball. It's still, you know, my favorite yeah. sport. I learned so much about the sport and here's the cool thing about the Atlantic league. That was different than every other independent league, mostly every other um, the Atlantic this, because of the, the, the well-funded owners and because they brought in major league baseball, former major league baseball personnel like Sparky, Jim Fry, Joe Klein. I mean, they had, there were a lot of guys. Uh, the Fry. Ripkins, wow. the Ripkins were involved for a little bit. Okay. Um, there were every manager was like someone who's probably played in the majors for a while. Ruben Sierra played for um, the Atlantic City team. They brought majors. I remember they, that they really did a good job of getting guys who were fresh out of the majors who were who were trying to get back in. So Jose Canseco, I got, I covered Jose Canseco Him and uh, Ricky Henderson. Ricky, Ricky Henderson, Henderson. Played, yeah. played for the River he Played for Newark, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Lance Johnson played in the in the in that league. Jim Layritz, I think, played uh, hmm. for one of the teams. But there there were about like five or six guys who played in the majors on each team. Some of them of big names. Uh, Tim Raines played for Rock Somerset Rock. for three games just because he was um, preparing for the. Olympics. I remember that. So yeah, and if it, over the last few years, you know, I. I it's been a long, but they were starting to really build up and, and be a very competitive league. And now the Somerset team is the double A team for the Yankees. Oh, so wow. They're not really? even part of the Atlantic League anymore. They're they're double A for, for mm-hmm. the Yanks. And so I think Luke Voigt was playing there recently when he was on a rehab assignment. So it was an amazing experience because I got to really get to know uh, different from other guys who cover baseball, maybe in the minors. I was getting guys who had been to the majors and telling me what it was all about. You know, some of them. Like Will Pennyfeather, that's a guy who had played in the, played for the Pirates. He was uh, he's a Jersey guy. He played for the Patriots and some teams. So I would I would hear these great stories of guys who would make it to the majors. And the common theme for most of them was they were only up for like a week or two or maybe a month and um, had some success. But then something happened. It was always like an injury or this or that or somebody took my job. But really to get to know guys who had made it to the big leagues and were trying so hard this was their last stop right they're they're out right. of triple a they're out of double a they're right. still they're about 28 to 30 now they're still trying to get back in um so it's a, it's different from the young kids like if you cover most single a or double a teams 
and you're a minor league beat writer, you're getting a lot of young kids who are just trying but, to get on the way up. So it's so a how, different perspective. How, did, did you cover MLB too? Um, well, I was hired to cover by the Wilmington News Journal in okay. 2005 okay. to cover the Phillies. Oh, I, I did not know that. I was Go hired ahead. to cover the Phillies. And I covered them for about a month and a half or two months, right when they fired Ed Wade, right? Oh. And then hired Pat Gillick. I was part of, I was doing stories about who's going to be the next GM. And then at, right around the time, there was a lot of um, movement in the newspaper industry. Not good. Most people were consolidating or downsizing. Yeah. Columnists were losing their jobs. And we had a columnist named Doug Lesmaris. Yeah, who's now yeah. covers Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, he left to go Good cover job. Ohio State uh, football or Ohio State sports for, I believe, the Plain Dealer in Cleveland, or is it Cincinnati? No, yeah, uh, he, I, I believe that's what he would did. Yeah, it's definitely Ohio. I just I knew Doug many many moons ago, yeah. and I remember. Uh, yeah, wow, I did not know that. Right. So our columnist left, and so our Eagles beat writer Kevin Noonan had been covering the Eagles for a long time, and he wanted to slow it down a little bit, do something different. So he moved into the columnist role. So now our Eagles job is open and our sports editor, Ron Fritz is interviewing guys for the Eagles. But I said, I felt like Juan Castillo later when how, you know, how Juan was always bugging Andy to make him the yeah, defensive yeah. coordinator. And finally he did. Right. Well, I was, th this is me before Juan Castillo even did that. I was bugging my sports editor. Hey, you know, I'll do the Eagles. He's like, but I hired you to cover the Phillies. You have a baseball experience. And I said, eh, anybody can cover the Phillies. <laughs> I want to cover oh. the Eagles. You know, no, I was kidding, but I really did want, something new, sure. something different. I thought sure. the travel was a lot, you know, I was, you know, I was um, living with my girlfriend where we I knew we were going to be married at some point. It's really hard to be a baseball beat writer and be on the road for, even when you're not on the road, if you're getting home from a game, you're getting home at like one in the morning all the time. Right. So I did, but I wanted to do football anyway. So he said, if I can hire a good baseball writer, I'll move you to the Eagles. All right. So he did an excellent job. He found a guy named Scott Lauber, who most people oh, yeah. who are in, from this area know who Scott is. Scott was covering, I want to say, the Mets for a Binghamton paper. The Mets had a double-A team in Binghamton, yep. New York. Yep. He was covering that team. So they, cover, they hired Scott. Uh, Ron Fritz hired him, then moved me over the Eagles. And I always tell Scott Lauber, who has now covered a Phillies World Series, then he went on to Boston and covered two Red Sox World Series. I say, Scotty, man, you owe it all to me. It's <laughs> funny. I, I joke with him, but I, you know, I, I moved over to the Eagles, and then that was 2006. I, I was already doing Eagles stuff 2005. Then 2006 is when I became the Eagles beat writer and, at the News Journal. And you've told us before, your first season covering the Eagles, or at least your backup guy, was the Terrell Owens situation, correct? Well, that was one of, yeah, because I lived in South Jersey, they sent me to anything that was going on in South Jersey. So I get a call one day from Ron Fritz. Yeah, I think uh, Terrell Owens says that Drew Rosenhaus is going to give us, you know, a statement. Uh, and this is in the middle of training camp, right? On No, no, in the middle of the season, right? Because it was four or five games into the year, I think, that he, he got in hot water with the organization. This is yes, 2005, but, but, not 2004. 2005. No, but right. But no, but here's how – just remember now. Mm -hmm. Owens – right. Oh, the – in 05, in mm -hmm. the, over the summer, was the infamous no more question, you know, uh, next question. Right. That right. training camp, my, <laughs> I had left that day. Mm -hmm. I was at camp. There was nothing going. I was bored. I got what I needed that day. So I drove home from Lehigh. And I knew nothing about anything that was going to ha that happened that day. Because mm -hmm. Sirius XM calls me and said, hey, could you go on with Shine, Adam Shine and uh, John Riggins? I'm like, okay. I'm nothing. That, based on what happened today, I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't know? I'm like, no, what? 
Carol Owens got sent home. I'm like, for what? They go, we don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of my mind. I'm like, what ha- What did I miss? So I said, all right, I'll do it in an hour. Let me drive. I'm driving. I got to be, I have to go back. I have to see what the hell happened. <laughs> well, let me I, tell I, you, I, man, I, that, that next question press conference was, um, uh, I thought it was wild then, but it was. Oh, so you were, oh, wait, so, so, so you were actually, okay. I was in front, I was at his Morristown house. You okay. Know, so so how did you set. get like, so you were, okay, let, let's, let's, let's go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he gets sent home. Were you at practice that day? And then you had heard, okay. So, so pick it up from there. What did I you remember, know? This, in the morning? So like, this is 2005. Happened? So, so Newton Summer. is still okay. covering the team and I'm kind of like the GA of the beat. So they called me. I can't remember what month it is. So I'm, it might, I might've still been doing like, who's the next Phillies GM going to be stories. Right. <laughs> so um, they called me and said, you know, that there's uh that, that drew Rose and house has said, he's going to give a statement on TO's lawn. Can I go there and cover it? I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't, I mean, I didn't think it, first of all, we didn't know he was going to take questions. Right. Wait a minute. So, so let's go back though. He would, I, cause I can't even remember this is 16 years ago. So what happened? Owens was thrown out of practice. I, wasn't it didn't he um yes he got he was he, he had i think andy had wanted him to write a letter of apology to the team well that would be Remember, late. he, that went, would on be the, he, he went on a radio interview and said something like you know wouldn't we be the the question was do you guys think you'd be way better if brett Favre was your quarterback and he oh, said that, yes oh, 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 oh. And, you know he got he, yeah this is not training camp i think this is like october or something well, wait like a minute that. when was the when wasn't the rosen house I was at uh, something happened at. Um, Are you thinking something? of the sit-ups? That was training camp when he did yes. the sit-ups and the push-ups. Yes. Yeah, no, that yeah, was that's that was got... training camp. This is yeah. later in the year. Okay, I just remember. Okay, so I remember Owens got sent home. Mm-hmm. He was doing the push-ups. Okay, yeah, that was the day where like, uh, what the hell is he doing at home? What what happened? And he got thrown out, and I, I to this I cannot remember what what why he was at home. I, what 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 happened? Mm-hmm. So, was he open? Well, I know he did an ESPN interview. That I know. Right. That I know with uh, Rosenhaus. Well, I, I think, that yeah, what happened in training camp when he got sent home, okay. I mean, it's almost like depends on who you ask. I think he had like an interaction with Brad Childress where Chili was like, hey, what's up, Terrell? And he thought he was getting trolled. And he was like, what are you saying? You know, what, what is that supposed to mean? Right. <laughs> and then it was like, what? And then all there was like kind of an altercation there. And then they well, felt like they had to okay. send Tio home because he was. And that with old. Childress was he actually did that in the deposition for, um, uh, the the, uh, the the arbitration on mm-hmm. Owen's contract. Oh, he did that. I, I if I remember, I think Brad did that on purpose because Owen said not for for no one to talk to him. Oh, yeah, and he I think he did that on purpose. Again, this is 16 years ago. Yeah, Th- that Owen situation. You tell me if you can remember anything covering the Eagles. I'm talking about. Okay, we know about the relationships with the front offices and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. in terms of players. George Hegeman, I remember that what he said, the Eagles need to come correct on his contract. And then Andy yeah. made him push the sled and he got, he got cut. That was funny. But I, this one was so bizarre when, when they called me on NFL radio to go to, to, to tell me what to talk about what happened. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> so I had to drive back to Lehigh and fa- find out uh, that Owens was thrown out uh, of practice and sent home. I mean, what else could happen? I mean, it's just the, the and, and the thing is, and you know this from, from covering the team. Wait, wait, actually, you weren't covering them in 04, right? 05 was your first time? 05 was my first year. Okay. His first practice mm-hmm. at Lehigh with 10,000 people oh, was just. I've seen that. Yeah. I was still in this area in, in 04, but yeah, I was still working. I was just, 
I was just blown away. I just couldn't believe it. It was surreal. Like this is training camp. Yeah. But this is when I knew, not that I didn't know the Eagles fans were passionate. It was so super cool to be honest with you as a football fan to see McNabb and Owens and see this chemistry uh-huh. and to see like how unbelievably gifted Owens was like we, we've Deshaun Jackson as a deep threat, obviously very good. Michael Vick is a quarterback who's pretty special in 2010 for some things he was able to do. Mm-hmm. But seeing McNabb and Owens, I'm like, this is going to be the next pairing, better than Jaws and, and, and Harold Carmichael, which is pretty good, by the way. Right. Um, helped, helped Harold get in the, the uh, Hall of Fame. But, and if Owens didn't ruin it, <laughs> I, I, in fact, next time we have Joe Banner on, we, we, we need to detail that summer for him. I'd love to know what Joe went through. Mm. Uh, and then when, you know, obviously when, when Owens asked for the contract, you know, after one year, <laughs> you know, I, was it undervalued? Sure. That's why he uh, fired his agent then and went right. to Rosenhaus. But uh, right. it was, so, so, so you're for, you're covering the team in 05. Yeah. Were you like, what in the hell did I walk in? Oh my God. Then when I, so when I go to do that, that press conference and Drew gives his statement and then. He opens and Ter- Terrell says nothing. He just stands there. He doesn't say a word. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. Drew reads off this written statement and it's, it, it, it's, and listen, you know, I didn't even know Drew from a hole in the wall at that point. Now, you know, I've had many interactions with him. I, f- sure. I feel like he's changed. I don't think he's the same type of guy that he was. I think the Eagles thing, he's even talked about that has changed him a little bit too on how he interacts with, with teams. Um, he also had the Lito Shepard issue. If you remember, yeah, trade, trade. Remember, well, you remember Trey Thomas. Trey fired his agent, went with Drew, okay. and then Banner told him, "If you want an contact extension, you're not going to have that guy as your agent." So then he had to fire Drew and go back to really? his agent. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, really? it was bad between the Eagles and Drew for. Well, I know the Leto one was the reason why agents were not allowed in the locker room anymore because um, they they were carrying on and that pissed the Eagles off the, upstairs. Yeah, I think I think it. the Eagles kicked Drew out of training camp once when he was not out because he was he was like standing among the yeah you know, he's standing yes. where agents know yep. and then they yep. said we've never yep. had agents at training camp so they booted yep. him out there it was it was ugly between those two for a while I mean, yeah, we're not breaking they, any they, news on that one they actually right they actually enjoy a pretty good relationship these days with Rose. yeah and it wasn't I mean they had he had curse at the same time so. That's right. You know, he had to have better. And, and as you mentioned, Lido, he had a bunch of other guys, too. So they're, you know, and, and Joe will probably speak to it. And they certainly I, I felt like Drew changed a little bit after that, as, as you know, I can see that you would have to ask him. But he certainly didn't come off like that kind of guy years later, you know, and even now when you see him, he's not. When's the last time there was a quote unquote Drew Rosenhaus controversy? Not really. Not, not really. No. Yeah. Um but but here's a question for you. So 05 is your first. So you your company goes full time in 05. I was the GA in 05. Okay, when did you was get my first year as the beat writer? What, what when were you the guy? The guy. By the way, GA is general assignment. Yes. Um. So so the next year because that's when Noonan moved over to columnist. Yeah. We hired Scott Lauber to do Phillies, and then 2006, I uh, that was my first year on the Eagles beat. All right, so so, so and I realize okay. how helter skelter it can be. You know, my right. first, uh, my first road, my first game is really the Hall of Fame game. They're playing the Raiders in the Hall. I think it was the Raiders in the Hall of Fame game that year. Uh-huh. And um, you know, I, I stayed in Cleveland. I drive down to uh, Canton, Akron, Akron, right? Can- Canton, no, Canton, Canton right? Yeah. Canton, and I get there, and immediately the Eagles announced they've reached a um, a contract extension with Brian Dawkins for like two oh. or two years. It was a short term extension. Yeah. So I'm like. 
I remember like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, oh, so, oh my God. And they're like, oh, there's going to be a press conference with Dawkins on the field before the game. I'm like, so I'm running there. And then, and then in that, if I, if I remember correctly in that game, who's the running back from Maryland that Bruce Perry, remember him? Oh my God. He got hurt yeah. pretty badly. Seventh round pick. Yeah. yeah. He got hurt pretty badly. In wow. that. And he's a Philly guy. I think he was from he... like West Oak Lane or something like Small that. Small ch- change up back. Yeah. Yeah. So he got hurt in that game and that became a story. And then something else happened with Donovan. Wow. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even keep up. I'm just trying to finish yeah. this. Wait a minute. In the Hall of Fame game? In the Hall of Fame game. It was, it was, it was crazy. Wow. It was crazy. Then in that year is, of course, you know, Donovan got hurt and then Garcia comes leads him back and then you know i think we went to new orleans twice that year once in the regular season once the playoffs so i did a lot of drinking that year yeah wow. <laughs> on wow. the beat um yeah i went to san francisco for the first time it was uh that was a crazy year that's a good year for you so 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 the next what? year yeah. is you know that was my first full year in the beat the next yeah. year at lehigh i think i've told this story before but not probably a long time ago um derek boyko comes up to me at lehigh and he goes, hey, you know, I just want you to know, um, you've caught Big Red's attention. I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, he sees that you come in here every single day. He sees the work you're putting in. He knows what you're writing. Um, and he thinks you're doing a good job. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Wow. You know, as cool. a journalist, like, it's not important for you. Right. To, you're not trying to please the coach, but you are trying to establish a relationship where there's mutual respect there so that, <laughs> you know, if when I, you know, if I want to come up to him and ask him a question aside from the pack, he's more willing to answer it. And that's, that's strictly what it's about. It's all about having that relationship so that there's a level of trust there. Right. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it was cool for me to hear, but I didn't know like what that meant. <laughs> and yeah. then, so, so the yeah. very next day, sure. um, remember this is when you practice in the morning and you practice in the afternoon. Oh, so, Lehigh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there the next morning practice. It starts at eight 15, probably ends at like 10. Uh, I'm, I'm walking off the field and I see big red doing a beeline for me and big reds, Uh-oh. you know, Andy's face is always the same. Yeah. yeah. It was like a glare. Right. And he's walking toward me and walking toward me. And I'm like, I think he's walking toward me, like not toward where the players go. And he's walking faster than, than Andy usually moves. <laughs> and I'm like in my split second, I'm like, Oh man, I must've wrote. So he must not be happy. Cause now Derek's Boyko said he's been reading my stuff. I don't know what's going on. So he gets within like an arm's distance to me. I'm like, hey, Andy. And he goes really fast. He like literally almost like brushes past me as he walked away. He goes, I just want you to know, I think you're doing a good job. (laughs) Wow. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I I was like, that's awesome. I had the biggest exhale. I thought he was going to tell me like. Well, you know, Andy, (laughs) I forgot. He, um, did he write in college? He did. He was a sp- former sports writer. That's, I, you know, that's, I forgot about that too. Yes, yeah. that might have been what because it's really interesting about him. I, I didn't know him a lot, lot like the beat writers did. We had a different relationship because we were on the same flights a lot, um, and I got to, I got to know him a little bit, not as much as the beat reporters did. But mm-hmm. um, he's such a kind guy, and he could be helpful. Like he, he really could be. Like I would love it when he go, "Hey, did you get everything you needed?" Right. It's like he's. Most head coaches are not like that. They don't generally care, mm-hmm. but it did. It did mean something to him. It was really that was the interesting part about this guy is that yes, you could say whatever you want. Okay, you didn't get a Super Bowl here if you're a fan. I get that, but from a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Like he, I understand his press conferences were boring, <laughs> but if you got him one on one, man, those those whatever you did walk and talks with him. Yep. What, what those mean, folks, is after the the press conference is over. 
Like you could get him on the side as he's walking up at, at, in, in Novacare, the auditorium. And like walking up, like walking up like the little ramp there. And sometimes you might be the first guy in line. You just might grab him. Yeah. Or at Lehigh, if you, ca- if you catch him walking somewhere, you might ask him. And he was really accessible. I mean, he, uh, I mean, he was very helpful with me. I remember when um, <laughs> you mentioned Juan Castillo. <laughs> I, we happened to be flying in the owners' meetings together. I said, Coach, I was not here when you, did, when you made this decision. So I, I apologize. But would you mind discussing with me? Cause I'll tell you everything. And he told me the whole story. We, we were waiting, you know, in uh, Philly airport, we sitting across from me and he spent like 15, 20 minutes going through everything. And he just said, you know, it's, he wouldn't, he, he told me what I could talk about and what I couldn't talk about it. And he just explained it how Juan wanted to do it for, as you, you mentioned earlier, right. How important it was for Juan to get another shot at it. And obviously it didn't work out to say the least, but um, just to hear his thought process was interesting and almost to the point where like man hearing him explain it man i think this might work of course it didn't but um you know <laughs> yeah, okay. i know you can convince yourself that it was a good idea yeah, and then it yeah i mean just made i understood what why he was doing it but um right. so so let, let let's uh couple st- so give me a couple stories from the beat because the eagles beat with yeah. these writers here can be vicious it could be crazy yep. i've heard some of the baseball stuff from some of the baseball guys over the years but since you've covered the Eagles more than anyone, but, but you're one of the guys who's gone through a lot here with, with this media here, whether you're on television or, or, or print, you got a couple of juicy ones. You know, I, I never had any like bad interactions with fellow media members. Yeah. Uh, certainly nothing like the McLean Bowen fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had some, you know, my first years on the beat as I was learning things, uh, you know, it, in, I think in 2007, this is just a funny story. We go out to cover a game against San Francisco, 49er. I think it was 07. What was the year, whatever year that Winston Justice had that real struggle on Sunday night against um, OCU Manura yeah, Sunday yeah. night game? I want to yeah. say that was either 06 or 07. I was going to say 06 or 07. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was 07. Okay. So um, 07, we're in San Francisco. I brought my wife out with me. Oh. Because I was there in 06, and it was my first time. I'm like, this is an amazing place. And I think yeah, they had yeah. the bye week right after oh. the game. And back then, you could actually spend a few days on the, uh, you know, out there, and you didn't have to run. back. It's amazing how much everything's changed in just you know ten to twelve years. But so yeah, that was the plan: bring the wife out, and and my brother and sister in law came out too, and we had some fun. But they're all at the game, right? And my wife's and and family are sitting out there, and she sends me a text saying, "Oh, um, I think I'm sitting next to uh, to someone's you know father or something," and I'm like. He said, he said his son plays for the team. So I'm like, oh, well, who, who, what's his son's name? So I get a text back later. Winston Justice, right? Because oh. that makes sense. He's from California, so his yeah. parents are at the He went to USC, right? Right, right. So my wife just has this funny sometimes knack of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, oh, completely no. unintentionally. And I text her back. I'm like, whatever you do, don't bring up the Giants game, right? I don't get a text back for a little bit. And I'm like... That's weird. You know, I would think you should say why or what's going on. Which, and then later I got about 10 minutes later, I get a text back from her. Sigh. Too late. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, and so I see her. I'm like, what? how did you bring up Winston Justice to his dad knowing what happened? She's like, well, I didn't know. I didn't remember. Because that was earlier in the year. I think it had been a couple of weeks prior that Sunday night game. And yeah. she just said, she said, all I said was, man, that game against the Giants was horrible. <laughs> Can 
you imagine going up to oh, God. I, talking I, about I, that game? I now remember walking out of the Senior Bowl. The Seahawks lost a playoff game, right? Uh huh. I their whole front office comes out of um, the Battle House, you know, in Mobile. Yeah, yeah. And I'm walking on the sidewalk. I'm out. Hi guys, how how you guys doing? Don't ask them that after they lost a game like that. You just don't. Of course they're not doing well, idiot. Why would you ask them that? And I'm, I, I was like, because remind me your wife's story about just be sensitive to a bad situation. I just just said hi, hello, and said, yeah. "Oh, how are you guys doing?" Of course, terrible idiot. What are you guys <laughs> <for>? <laughs> I just so, learned my. I haven't. I've never forgotten about that. Whatever bad playoff loss they had, it, right. when you see that, don't ask them about. Don't, yeah, no, bad moments. Them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you know Nick Fierro, right? Oh God, yeah. From, sure, from the yeah, morning yeah. call, he sure. used to work, I think, for the Eastern Express. Then, then moved on to the morning call. Okay. Right? Well. We we're, we're in New Orleans once, and um, again, I br- I brought my wife out with me. We did a lot of this stuff before we had kids. Cool. Um, and you know, we happened to be with Nick. We're at a restaurant. I think we we're at Pat O'Brien's, the famous place in um, yeah. New Orleans where you j- drink the Hurricanes, right? And Nick is that like you know real beer snob, like he drinks like all the high uh, quality IPAs, and wow. he says something like, uh, "Oh, I'll I'll be fine here," you know, like you guys will never get me drunk, and you know. My wife was basically like, "Oh, is that a challenge?" <laughs> uh, what, you're, oh my! Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So Nick's like, "Oh, listen, I'm, I drink all these beer." And she's like, "Oh, all right." So we we start talking football, just starting, and we start you know ordering rounds and rounds of hurricanes and hurricanes. Now, have you ever had a hurricane down in? I have, but you know not how strong there. They they're extremely yes. strong, and yes. they don't you don't realize it because they're very like sugary, fruity. Yeah. yeah so right. then. You don't realize until you stand up after you had like three or four that you are in a lot of pain. We might have called them brain stoppers, but anyway. Whatever they're called. Yeah, they're hurricanes at Pat O'Brien. So yeah. about an hour and a half later, we're like, all right, let's go. So we bar hop a little bit. And at this point, Nick Nick Fierro cannot spell Nick Fierro, right? And, you know, the guy who said we we won't get a, can't get drunk cannot spell his own name. So it's the end of the night. And we're like, we really got to get this guy home because he has no idea where he is right now. So we all jump into a cab, right? Nick, where are you staying? Uh, the Marriott something. I'm like, well, all right, we got to go find a Marriott, right? So <laughs> the cab pulls up to his Marriott. We watch Nick get out of the car. All right. We watch him walk right past the Marriott. <laughs> he never even walked to the hotel. I said, hold on. You got to stop this cab. He didn't make it even to the hotel. So I get out of the car. <laughs> right? And I'm like, Nick, I'm like yelling after him. Nick, Nick, get in your hotel. He's like, blah, blah. So I go run up to him. And I was like, you didn't go into your hotel. He's like, what? <laughs> so I had to actually walk him around the block three times before I got him to get into his hotel. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope he's not mad at you for telling this. No, he, he said he goes, he was supposed to play golf the next morning with uh, uh, Dave Weinberg at about eight in the morning. Yeah. So I saw him later in the day and he goes, all right, you got me drunk. <laughs> I'm like, no kidding. We oh, did. He rem- <laughs> oh, he did. So he did remember. Okay. That's, he's like, okay. He goes, I had to play golf at eight in the morning. Well, like, I'm like, clearly you must have canceled, right? He was like, no, I just threw up and then went and played golf. Oh, man. Wow. I said, let that be a lesson. Do not ever say in, in the presence of me or my wife that you can't get drunk because we will make that happen, brother. Wow. How about that story? That, <laughs> but, you that... know, New Orleans is a fun city, but it's also not the safest city. So once I saw him walk past his hotel and not go in it, I'm like, 
I don't think we can let him just keep walking. Here. Wow. <laughs> Who um, knows what would have happened to Nick if I had not jumped out of the cab? Yeah, you think about it, right? Exactly. <laughs> you, you were there to save him. So what year was that? That was either 06 or 07 as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, you as covered on the beat, and you obviously saw how good of a job Andy did. Mm-hmm. Did you think they were going to have a dynasty? Like, did you think like, okay, they, they got this thing going on here. They, they got a lot, lot, lot is going well. Obviously a couple of years later, Vic and mm-hmm. didn't go as well after 2010, things really started to fall. But yeah. did you think they were going to be dominant? I thought, um, no, I thought after they traded Donovan, I just didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen with that, man. You know, I really, I thought that Kevin would be okay. Yeah. But not great or really, really good. But I mean, Andy had bought a lot of cloud at that point. And I thought, you know, he's, he knows quarterbacks better than me. And weirdly enough, right. We, it was basically Kevin for a couple of, for a game or two, he got hurt. And then, then the Michael Vick era began. So, um, yeah. So we never really got to see that. I do, I do wonder you know, obviously at the end there, the coaching changes, you know, mud, uh, Washburn, everything. There was so much pressure on him, um, both internally and then from people above to like win that Super Bowl, win that Super Bowl. He clearly started to make decisions that I think if you asked him now, in fact, I know. In fact, the day he fired Jim uh, Washburn. Washburn. Coming off the plane when they landed. Right. And he made a couple other changes that day too. He held a press conference. And he talked about the mistakes that had led to that disaster season. And oh. a, a couple of us were invited after his press conference. It was me, Ruben Frank, Les Bowen, Jeff yeah. McLean, maybe Tim McManus too. We're in the elevator. Boyko allowed us to go with Andy up into the elevator while he was going to his office just to answer more questions, right? Mm-hmm. Just to talk about it a little more. And I'll never forget this because I think Ruben Frank is the only person in the media that could have gotten away with saying this and, and not gotten killed. Right. We're in the elevator and Andy's basically saying how he, he just, you know, obviously regrets all of these bad decisions one after one that had led to, you know, instead of being winning the ultimate goal had led the, the franchise into regression. So yeah. Ruben says something like, and this is the last year. So Andy, we all know Andy, Andy knows he's getting fired. We know he's getting fired. 2012 was his last year, right? This is 2012. Oh, it is because right, he has fired Washburn. This is when he fired Washburn and everybody kind of involved in that that yeah. two year bit. Yeah, right. And uh, Ruben looks at him and says, "So you mean like next year when you're coaching the Jaguars, you're not going to hire some of these guys?" Oh, oh, <laughs> out of bed. Oh. I almost dropped my recorder when Rube said that. I looked at Rube and I'm like, "What? Are you, what do you?" I give him the eye look, like, "What?" And Andy just start. Andy gave him like a, a <laughs> you know, like if I had, if Les had said it, if McLean yeah, yeah, had said it, he would have freaking strangled him. But Rube just had that ability to say it that way without being offensive. I was about it's so it. funny because I was going to ask you some good Rube stories. Um, Rube has got some incredible stories. I got to know him uh, just going to practice over the years, and mm-hmm. the Buddy Ryan stories were legendary. Um, his relationship with the media there was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you though, um, and I was saying it cause I was on a beat reporter, my, my view with I, the stuff that I went through locally, I'm going to, I'm going to give one story. Okay. Uh, one story of, of just kind of the craziness of, of reporting. You don't know the story. I, okay. I don't, I, maybe I've told you a little bit, but you don't know the whole thing. So I've reported at the senior bowl, um, 
I let, let you know, like at the senior bowl under the, under the stands, there's like a concourse. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like where they, every once, every once in a while, they'll have the, the concession stands open. Mm-hmm. So it would, had to be a really cold day. Let's say it was 08 or 09. I don't remember exactly. Uh, nine or 10, it might've been. I don't remember. It was for the Juan Castillo uh, debacle, making the uh, DC coming out of the lockout. But mm-hmm. So I report this coach is not going to be retained. I can't remember whether he's fired or um, just going to have his contract renewed. So, okay, it's a standard story. I had two sources on it. I knew it was right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I, this is, I, I might have tweeted it. I, I don't remember now because we, we def, I know we had Twitter then. Right. But anyway, I, I'm walking. As, as you know, Jeff, the, and we'll explain this for the fans. The Senior Bowl is the unofficial coaches convention. Unfortunately, sadly, guys are looking for jobs. You know, that this is where a lot of coaches who have just been fired, whether it's right at the end of their season or right around the senior ball, they only go to the senior ball if your team is working mm-hmm. or you have to, if your position is there, you, you may or may not go. But you're going if you don't have a job by the senior ball. Coaches hate going, by the way. Hate it. Yeah. So, anyway, so I put the scoop out. A minute and a half later, I'm walking around the corner. And I see the coach that I just reported got fired. And I'm like, holy bleep. This is unbelievable. I'm, I can't, I don't know this guy. I, 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 I the story had not gotten out yet. Mm-hmm. So I was the one to put it out there. I'm like, I'm, 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 I don't get nervous, man. I, well, I just, what are the odds though, that that would happen? Exactly. You just tweet about a guy losing his job. You I'm, don't know I'm, him. <laughs> I'm out of my mind. Like, and I'm going to bring up my Chips Kelly story, which is similar, but uh-huh. for a different reason. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I don't get nervous, but I'm like, I'm like, my heart dropped. I, I, I like, like, I got my my hand in the cookie jar. I'm like, what the hell do I do? Uh-huh. I do a beeline, go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, the, and the, that, that's old Mobile Stadium's a dump. Oh it's God, yeah, terrible. So I go in there. You know, I if I didn't have to take a leak, I took one. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I didn't want to be seen. The guy bleeping goes in there. Oh my God. And I, this, I say again, I didn't tell you the story. So, did you think he was looking for you? Like at no, that point? Well, oh, I didn't okay. know what to think. So, uh-huh. I, I, it couldn't have been because he doesn't know me. <laughs> so, so the guy's just, uh, you know, the, the 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 guy goes in there. I get out. I don't see again for years. And I saw him at I saw him at the combine. I think like five years later, he got back in the league. But mm-hmm. I was, and I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I did my job, and I got it confirmed. But I do have a conscience like that. It did bother me. I felt so bad for the guy because I knew he because then, OK, this is the other part of it. And you know this because you've been there and seen it. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you always know a guy's looking for a job back then. Now it's different now. No team garb on. He had no team garb on. He had nothing to identify which team he was with. Mm-hmm. Back then, you if you were with a team, you're wearing the, the team. He didn't have anything on. He didn't have any team uh, identified stuff. Right. He's walking up and down, up and down, looking for coaches or executives to try to get a job. And I felt so bad for the guy. And he would later get in. And that, you know, I, I felt terrible about it. I, I was like, I did my job. Why do I feel so bad about it? I, I know, but I mean, you never think you're going to come face to face. It's, it's exactly, weird, especially I, I, when you don't know that person. Right. Know? And it was just weird. It was awkward. And I felt bad for the guy. So, <laughs> now, so why does this have to do with Chip Kelly? So in 20, you know, Chip gets fired by the Eagles the 15 season ends and chip and i because i work from a media standpoint for uh after i left fox sports um dot com during the lockout i went to i worked for spit hour with the eagles and before i went to espn it was 11 12 and part of 13 
So I got to know Chip. We had a pretty interesting relationship. We got to know each other. And he and I were fine. I, I mean, he was a little different, obviously. And I didn't mm-hmm. quite understand in 13 how different he was. But so long story short, he becomes a Niners head coach. But, you know, Joe DeCamera and I did a show that season. And I've kind of told this story before, but I, I've never told the whole thing. But the, the, the epilogue is hilarious. So you know, the Eagles, t- Eagles knew I knew it was he was going to get fired. I mean, everyone knew this. It's not a secret. It was a terrible year, 15. Mm-hmm. It was the Roseman um, reorganization to just doing contracts and whatever the heck they gave him to do. It was Chip took over personnel. He really, believe it or not, he really didn't want it, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a choice because it's like Roseman wasn't going to do it. They, they, they hired Tom Gamble, and then Tom Gamble got pushed out, obviously. So he had to hire somebody. Ed Manowitz wound up getting it. So many guys turned down the opportunity to interview. They didn't want to deal with it because of the toxicity of that building. So yeah, Manowitz got it 31 years old. Right. Didn't work out. Um, you know, everyone got fired. And uh I I I made a comment about Chip on the Fanatic and the Eagles. I got roasted for it. I got a lot of bleep for it. I I I took the loss there. I just shouldn't have said it. Mm. I, I said, if I were Chip, Joe DeCameron goes, What do you think is gonna happen? I said if I if I were Chip, I would be renting, not buying. Mm. And this is after the Detroit game where they got smoked on Thanksgiving. I I, oh, I, I had heard that Jeffrey Jesus, what was an awful you know, game. It's terrible. Um, Mark Sanchez. Right. Was that, I don't even remember. I, I just remember Mark Sanchez game, how, yeah. how pissed off Jeffrey was. And I had written a story that, you know, I put in my computer that he was going to get fired because I was at ESPN then. And, you know, Chip gets fired. It was on a Tuesday. Jeffrey did a, a roundabout. He didn't know it. it was not leaked out. The Eagles actually announced it. I was furious. So I was driving home. So I don't get to report the story, blah, 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 blah. For, uh, I, fast forward. I see. Chip's the head coach of the Niners. I see him walking at the owner's meetings. Oh, I want to say hi to him. He walks right by me like I don't exist. I'm like, well, he obviously found out what I said about him. Mm-hmm. That's over. I'm done. That's it. Mm-hmm. Hell with that guy. Right. So I go to train camp. As I always do it from, uh, you know, out West. I go to the Niners and Raiders every year since 05. Uh-huh. So Bob Lang is now the Eagles PR director. Bob doesn't even, he'll never remember this. This is five years ago. So his coach wants to talk to you. I'm like, oh, man, um, this is not going to be good. <laughs> And this is another time where I'm like, okay, like I talked to, you know, I reported that coach who got fired. That's the Eagles assistant coach who got fired uh-huh. for Andy. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think, what am I going to say to this guy? I, I don't know what to say to him. I'm, I'm really at a loss for words. I, I'm going to take it like a man. I'm just, uh-huh. I don't know what he wants to say to me. He's going to probably bitch me out. So he sees me and he, he puts his hand out. I look at Bob. He goes, go ahead. Shake his hand. <laughs> and here's the other part. He wanted to give me a bro hug. And Chip? Yeah, he gave me a hug. And, wow. and, and 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 I was shocked. And Bob goes, do it. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like mesmerized because of the whole thing. I'm like, I'm not, it's like an out-of-body experience. I just cannot believe he wants to hug me. He goes, I just want to let you know. You were the most professional people I dealt with. I'm thinking he clearly doesn't know what I said about him. <laughs> I buried him after he left. I, I I had to tell the truth. I had to put a lot of, of stuff course, out. Of course, of course. And and uh, and I just I don't lie. I just I wasn't. I had nothing. I had no axe to grind. I wanted people to know what it, the right. crap that he the, the crap that he pulled. Right. And I, I told some of the good things, but you know, I said here's the stuff that he did well. Here's the stuff that he was terrible at. Interpersonal relationships, everything. I put it out. So anyway, he goes. You know, you were the one of good guys in the building. And, and, and you know, he, he took a shot at one particular reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people could figure it out who was just one for the juggler, one very, very negative. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, this is a guy I couldn't stand it. And there were other, and by the way, there were other Niners beat reporters there. So they could have told this reporter what Chip said about him. Mm. Eagles beat reporter. <laughs> but anyway, it was just funny. And, and, and I go, it's just, some things happen in your career. And I know you've been through this stuff. Uh-huh. The exact opposite happens where you think the guy doesn't like you. And I want to get to two stories here. One is yours and one is mine. Okay. Your story about the issue with you had an, with an agent is so hilarious. Because I, when you told me, I'm like, this didn't happen. And I know yeah, that we agent. Do, we do get asked too a lot about agents and dealing yeah. with them. And, um, you know, some are very good. Some, yeah. some are clearly, you know, have an agenda. Exactly. Okay. So are you talking about the one where, all right, there was a year do, do where. Yours. Do um, yours first. Yeah, do there, there was one year where the, both the Eagles had a first and a second round pick who were not signed by training camp. Because okay. this is back then when. Yeah. There was no slotting system, and so yeah. everybody freaking held out. It was it was crazy. Oh, this is before the eleven CBA. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and um, so you know, like any other reporter, I'm trying to call both agents to get progress reports, whatever. And um, you know, a lot of them don't want to talk about it at the time. So one of the agents got back to me and said, "Jeff, you know, I, I really, you know, I appreciate it. I don't want to go on the record with this. I don't want to talk sure. about it." So I, I said, "Okay, I'll just you're, you're no commenting. That's fine." That's fine because that, that's all I strive for as a journalist. I want more, of course, but to at least I tried to get your, your camp side of the story. The other one never called me back. So uh, <laughs> so I wrote it that way. Honestly, that's how I wrote it. I said Ooh. the agent for so-and-so oh, did not um, politely. <laughs> now, maybe I took a jab a little bit because I oh, said you know, oh, the I agent for so-and-so this, politely declined to yeah. comment. Uh, when when and when return the calls, and I said the other agent has not returned any any recalls, any requests, or any any comment. So amazingly, I had no idea this guy was reading my stuff. He calls me up and he's like, "How are you?" First, he sends me a nasty email, and I didn't even know what. I'm like, "What are we talking about here?" Because in my mind, I didn't do anything. I just said one agent called me back and said no comment. The other agent did not respond for comment. That's there's no. There's really no opinion there. That's just what happened. That's all I'm reporting, right? And the guy was like, how dare you compare me to the other agent? I'm like, I didn't say that guy was great, grand, and wonderful. I said he politely called me back. You didn't. So I wrote that. You didn't. And he said, well, I don't really talk to the media. And I'm like, well, neither did the other guy. But he at least was going to call yeah. me and say, hey, I'm not talking about it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm calling. I'm putting the work in. The least you can do. I'm like, it's amazing how you can take the time to respond to me through email. Call me. You got time to sit here and argue with me. But you didn't have far less time to say, hey, Jeff, I'm not, just not going to comment on that right now. Oh, well, you know, it's different now. I'm upset. I was like, well, come on. Like, you act like I, I wrote something bad about your family. I just wrote that you didn't. So you basically wrote that. one guy did return to calls and one guy, guy did. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing if I'm to shoot this guy up with true serum, you know, big time agents, they yeah. see some other big time agent getting credit. They're not exactly. getting credit. You right. know, they think about how that means for other players and whatever. And he thinks I'm out to slander his name. It is literally like just taking he's reading into it what he wanted to read into it, which is something negative, even though it was the most down the middle, this guy called back, this guy didn't. Do I, do I need to say politely that the other guy, maybe, maybe not, but I mean, come on, are we really, is it that big of a deal? You know, exactly. so whatever. All right. I got, I got two more. What one football, one wrestling is one wrestling is. Yeah. We got to have your wrestling story. All right. It rivals the Abdullah the butcher story. <laughs> No, I don't know if that's possible. This is this is pretty good. If I if I deliver it like I deliver the Abdullah the Butcher story, where you cried on the air, <laughs> you were tearing, <laughs> laughing. I dude, I 
because I, I don't usually look at the screen when we're doing this. I, I peek every once in a while, but that time I happened to look. And I'm like, <laughs> you were keeled over from laughter. I, so. I didn't think I was going to be able to finish. It was <laughs> great. Podcast. It was great. Fans love that. Our listeners love that one. But th- this, uh, so an agent went after me. Uh, there was an Eagles draft pick that was a total dog. The, the guy, the guy had the guy was an underachiever, and you know I had pretty good sourcing on it. So I wrote this is I was at scout.com and. I uh, just write, I was writing that he, not, he doesn't pay attention in, in, in uh, the meeting rooms. And I usually don't put the negative stuff out, but I didn't know any better than like not to do that stuff. So I, I put it out. I, it, it's, it's different from John Hightower, um, not maturing, but we're not really giving specifics. Like we, we've outlined this stuff. It's good as gold. We, we've, you know, Eagles know this, that they're aware of it. Um, but this stuff was actually very detailed and specific which I shouldn't have done. So I didn't know the agent. The agent sees me at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. I see him. You talked about Andy making a beeline for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is like five months later after I put this stuff out in uh, after trade, probably like September or something. Yeah. yeah that would have made sense. Five months. So senior ball is January, September is the season. So I, uh, I see this guy coming at me because I got to talk to him. I'm like, okay. And he goes, he holds, he, I, he printed out. He goes, you said this, who's your source. I'm like, I was like, dude, the, the, <laughs> sources. <laughs> you ask me this question, and I. The funny thing is, I would later learn this guy is like this, uh-huh. and this guy and I are fine. Oh, we're very good. But this guy read me the right act. He's your unprofessional. He wants to go after. He wants to call my editor. I said, I don't have an editor, dude. <laughs> now I was belligerent. I was like, I was. I didn't say fu. I was like, Shut. I was like, dude, no, th- yeah. th- this is correct. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. now i'd be way more diplomatic let's sit down for a beer let's talk about it i'd be way more professional i was just so out of my mind like f this guy because i i mean i was right but i could have been more professional what would happen is the next year the 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 uh i guess the agent and the player got together so the eight player went after me in the, in the locker room the oh, only yeah. time i've ever had a player go after me ever, really ever what, um, did he push you up against the wall or something no but he, he goes he goes who the f are you f you uh-huh. i'll never talk to you when i'm i'm not a beat reporter so i was like <laughs> i blew it off but i'm like well this guy's actually sort of a prominent player yeah and i was like well i did learn something how could i handle it better first of all go to the agent first go listen i have this stuff you should know about this um i'm gonna go with it but i want you to I, let's talk about this that would have been a response. I, I just needed to grow up a little bit as a journalist. I, yep. I could handle myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look, I was actually, I'm glad it happened. I, I learned a lot about myself um, just about how to handle things better. Cause you, when you first started covering the Eagles, I know you, you know, you go through things. Yeah. Yeah. Guys on the beat, you know, you, you battle for scoops. Yep. Um, I was, because I wasn't part of the beat. I, I had my issues with people mm-hmm. small. We all got along, but it, guys were jealous and i understood that because i was right. an interloper sort of to, so to speak right for national reporter but two things very quickly one for the wrestling i don't think we told us i don't think you know this about me do you know that I, I i've only gotten one argument actually put my finger on a guy's chest no so i was at fox sports and this one national guy was hijacking stories for me and um glazer mm-hmm. and alex marvez mm-hmm. and it was more glazer and i and glazer had it out with this guy and not publicly. Maybe, I maybe I can already Twitter. guess who it is, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want to get, I, I, yeah, get I know. We don't, we don't, we're not doing I that. get along with the guy. Yeah. So I had this really amazing scoop on um, Cameron Wimbley, um, who was with the Raiders then. Mm-hmm. The Raiders screwed up his franchise tag language. I, I, it, it, this is so long ago. But yeah, actually, it was 2011. So 
Um, I got the scoop. I bothered the agent who was in the Bahamas. I said, listen, I got this. I got a great sourcing on it. I need to confirm it. And I know that Lock and not it wasn't Lock and Four. It was someone it might have been Lock and Four. It was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I um I was so pissed off. I, I just couldn't control my temper. I was so mad that we were we were losing scoop. So I said, listen, if if you don't get this thing confirmed, if you just rip us off, you and I are going to take it outside. So I put my finger on his chest. Mm. And guys who know me are like, I've never seen you mad. Right. They were like, whoa, he's calling him out like he's in fifth grade. I was just so. <laughs> So not likely, but I was so pissed off that we were we were losing scoops. Yeah, but uh, I just remember they were they, they um, these guys were looking at me like, "Are you are you that pissed off?" Normally, I go, "No," but I'm not standing up for myself. So how did he react? Was he ready to go, or was he? Um, back down? He just he took care of it. He apologized. He, uh, all right. he got credited, and he goes, "Listen, I you know whatever." Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we're you know we, I think it was like yeah it was locking for. I mean I already yeah. said it, so yeah it was. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I've had two or three beefs in my career. Mm-hmm. that was the one that became public right so i'm trying to remember was it this guy or this guy and i was no it was lock four yeah yeah i figured that but uh only because that was the one that blazer had a problem with because he's had he had problems with other reporters mm-hmm. but that was the one where we were having so many issues with him and then we were fine after that i just i was like enough dude enough this is mm-hmm. a very specific scoop we're not getting effed on this right and and i, I just remember Cause he's, he's a shorter guy and I'm, you know, I'm almost six one. Mm-hmm. Cause the other guy I had a problem with was a little bit taller. Cause I'm trying, this is 10 years ago. So, so who's the other guy I had an issue with? Yeah. This is, this is a local guy, but uh, this is, this is another story for another time. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell him my, my wrestling story. Yes. But real so, quick before we do, I, I do want to emphasize to people yeah, like yeah. the difficulty of our job, as far as dealing with agents they are very, important people um many of them are great people who are honest and and, um you have a great relationship with and some of them are just dishonest and and agenda driven and then but there are like i'll give you an example like you know there's an agent you and i both know who i really like i I enjoy him but i also know he's got an an agenda right you know like you know that's what agents do they stick up for their guys but some will go that extra mile and our jobs as a reporter is to be so almost like to be psychiatrist, a little bit truth detector. Like you got to, if you just Twitter hurt our industry a little bit because people started to run to Twitter with whatever scoop or nugget they got and one source it. And it could literally be anything. As long as you could say source said, people would get like, yeah. people would, they would get retweeted. So you started to see certain reporters who were not thorough, like who they only had maybe one or two well, sources. You could tell who their source was because they only have once it would be sources and you knew who they were getting that information one based on the player or the team. Right. So um, I I remember this one agent, we were having a conversation and he was just killing another player on the team to me. He was killing uh, not a player, a player of course that he did not represent. Right. So he's killing this player. And this is a pretty, pretty good player. And he's like, he's not a good teammate. And he's this, he's that. Everybody loves him. He's not that great. And I'm like listening to him. And I'm like also knowing, you know, in the back of my mind that, you know, he's, he reps a different player on the team. So like, you can, you can only do so much with this. I'm just, I'm hearing him out. Okay. I'm not going to go run and report this because it's just in my mind, it's his opinion. Right. Let me tell you a day later, right? A different reporter in the market who's no longer uh, in our market, right? Writes a story about this player with the, I mean, I'm reading the story, right? About this guy that he's bashing. 
and I'm reading the quotes and I'm like, oh my God, these, this is verbatim of the conversation that I had with this same guy a day or two ago. And I was like, you, you just, about. you can't do that. You, you can look, it's going to get you a lot of clicks. It's going to make you, but it's, it's, you know, you're one sourcing it. It's one guy's opinion. That guy represents a different player on the team. That's not cool. You know? And that's, that's like, awful. I don't have to hold it against the agent because I know that he's doing his thing and uh, he's just uh, talking to me. And all right. Like, I, you know, I know I've, I'm pretty certain I know the agent and, yeah. and I had, it's funny that agent lied to me and I yelled at this guy. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't believe in yelling, but I, I laid into this guy mm-hmm. and we were great after that. I just, yeah. uh, if you, Jeff is kind of alluding to it. it there's no such a nonsense that happens to us. Right. And the other, the, the other reporter I had it, issue with with the same around the time when i was at fox mm-hmm. so i had to think about wait a minute which guy did it did, did i actually get confrontational with in front of other people that was the guy that i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. who's fine i actually like the guy but it was just we were having an issue with him and i had to i had to put a stop to it mm. not, i don't like to see my friends of mine hurt and it would bother the hell out of me yeah Plus it, you know it was a pretty interesting scoop but um all right so so the wrestling one okay so how do I set this up before I get out of here? So I told the uh, big, uh, not the, uh, what's the guy's name? The Abdullah the Butcher story. Yeah, you got chased around by Abdullah the Bitch. With uh, a pitchfork. Abdullah yeah. the Butcher with a yeah. pitch, holding yeah. a pitchfork, right? Is that- and again, the, the way I set that up is if you're not, if you don't work for the company who you, like, if, I was a freelancer. So that one, they didn't tell me that I would be in on it, but not in, like, they're not going to tell you you're in on it, but you're going to be in on it. So back in 1993, I was working for, WCW was you know, owned by Turner. Uh-huh. They would come into the Philadelphia Civic Center, which is an absolute relic. This is where the Sixers, you know, the year that they won 66, 67, play their, their, their season before they went to the Spectrum. So it's an all, it's awful, absolute dump. And this is before Hulk Hogan came in there, where they turned things around. And two to 300 people would be at each event. It was a joke. I got the cat holsters. My job was to take back the ring coats. And you could hear them making fun of me. Uh-huh. You loser, you piece POS. And I was, it's so humiliating, but I could not say anything because I could not get I'm like loving this. I love wrestling growing up. So I couldn't, I could not talk back to these people. I took like a man. <laughs> so I'm being laughed at. And then part of my job, you know, I bring it or bring the bell. The other thing is I'd have to take back messages to the wrestlers. Now the the um the locker rooms are not downstairs, they're all the way up, <laughs> like three or four flights. So the guy, the guy, I think it was Doug Dillinger, who was the uh, security director, mm-hmm. said, hey, tell, I'll say, the guy's passed away, Big Van Vader, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Leon White, is his yep. real name, who was actually drafted by the Rams. So, so tell, tell those guys, tell those guys that uh, tell their, their match is being moved up because the other match is not going to happen. I, either the wrestler, um, what would often happened back then is wrestlers wouldn't show up mm-hmm. for events for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So I go upstairs. And if you're seeing me on, on YouTube, this is 28 years ago, but I'll never forget it. It's really unbelievable. But things, you know, my memory, certain things I just don't forget. So I walk in and these dudes are not dressed. And I'm saying, and I don't know this is the case. I walk in and I see all dudes not dressed. I'm like, what the bleep? <laughs> so I, I'm like looking and he, Vader goes, get the F out of here. I said, hey, man, just want to let you know you, your match is being moved up. He was great. Get that. Like it. I see these dudes <laughs> naked. I run. I'm like in shock over this. Again, nobody tells me. It's like, dude, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not homophobic, but I'm like, what the hell? 
Oh, well, you didn't naked. knock. You just walked right into their room. I walked in because nobody told me. So I walk up. <laughs> didn't they warn me first? I walk in. I'm in shock over this. I've now, how some... big is this dude? He's got to be like six six, three fifty. Now he had his suspenders off because he would have suspenders up to lift up his, you know, right. big dude. He's a, this guy's a huge guy, 450, 500 pounds. I'm not, it wasn't just him. They're all naked. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god. I ran out and, and I, I go down and again, this is three or four flights of stairs. And I go down like, oh, wait, I'm never going to tell anyone about this. We're going to talk about it. I, I was so in shock. So like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, why didn't they tell me this? I'm like, you know, 26. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm you, you wish I'm you were ch- just chased around with a pitchfork by that. Right. That right. Well, that was a different one. But again, because I was not just you know, getting back to it. It was because I was not told they don't even tell you anything. <laughs> I mean, I worked, a, I worked the card when flair left um, WCW to go to WWF then. Uh, um, the ring announcer Gary Capetto could not acknowledge that they had that he just said they had a contract dispute. He couldn't acknowledge that he wasn't coming back. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, dude, I just read in the Wrestling Observer, he's not coming back, he's going to WWF. And he's like, I don't know anything about that. He had to like deny the truth. <laughs> it's nonsense. But man, seeing dudes naked, I was like, this is the crazy. Like, <laughs> um, dude, I go, I run downstairs. I am in absolute shock. <laughs> How old I mean, were you again? Be women, point? you know. I mean, you know, does it have to happen? I was like, I was just like, I, oh, I, I couldn't man. get over it. I was in all like, their glory. It, it was really tra- traumatic. I was like, oh my god. Well, I had to tell you, you would have been a pretty bad baseball writer. <laughs> well, yeah, because you see, right, guys. I get you. Know, by the way, so so was that part of it? Guys would be naked in this locker room. Oh man, not only that, oh, you would always get the. You would, listen, you would get the three or four guys in a baseball locker room who 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 were like you know really like into the fact that they were naked and just yeah you know making jokes and you know bending over and doing all the you know they love to make fun of media and it's like oh man come on dude you know, it, just it was put it, it was, all away uh, <laughs> well eagles locker room we would see you know dudes you know before i mean women were coming in there anyway but yeah, yeah minor league baseball different because it's not 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 to, you know i might be the only writer or there's two other people oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know back you. then especially in the 90s there weren't as many women in the industry so like uh you know, and again, you're you're coming out of the '90s, and in, baseball sure. is more corporate now, and probably for for the best. But uh, you'd get some real pranksters in there. Let me let me just tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if if they would have set me up and walk in just to play a prank on me, uh huh, that it would have been women, and obviously I would have got yelled at. Okay, fine. Uh huh. But they, and I don't think they even thought of that. They just assumed like I would have known that they maybe these dudes were naked. <laughs> I, I'm just coming in. I'm like, what in the actual hell did I just see? Uh, and I just never, I don't even know if I told my nephew, I was just so in shock over the whole thing. And like, just like shell shocked. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I didn't cover sports like you did. So I, I was new to this and I was like, what the hell? Well, that's one hell of an indoctrination, my friend. <laughs> Man, I don't even think I got paid that night of 50 bucks. Well, but anyway, yeah, you, there you yeah, go. Somebody owed you Kept money everyone, for that. Yeah, that, that was, a, that was a, that, look, that was different from the, um, the uh, Abdullah, the butcher story, which yeah. is, ridiculous in of yeah. itself but yeah but you've done a lot of running away from people in, in your wrestling experience that that's funny that was, all right yeah. let, let's get out of here i'll leave you, you guys with this my my most uh, very quickly my most embarrassing no. moment in sports journalism history yeah. is when brian westbrook signed his contract extension in what 08 or something it was all late yeah banner really, did it yeah it was his last yeah week. yeah he got a lot of money and it was a big story and it was during like the preseason so to ensure that he wasn't gonna like you know go home and um, so his agent at the time, his name is Todd France, yeah. right? And, well, I mean, Todd France is still an agent, but yeah. um, 
So everybody, you know, all the beat guys got to call Todd France, get the particulars of the contract, yada, yada. So uh, I call, I called him immediately and he answers the phone and I'm like, holy cow, I beat everybody to Todd France, right? And I'm like, hey, Todd, this is Jeff Mosher. Um, I know Brian just did his contract and I, you know, I want to talk to you about it and, you know, see how it came about. And he goes, oh, Jeff, Brian is the best, right? He's like, I'm, I'm so happy for him. It's a great thing. Um, he's also the greatest teammate I've ever had. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I'm not that Todd France. And then all of a sudden it clicked into my head, you know, because back then we're still on a Rolodex. The Eagles had a kicker named Todd France for like a half a minute when David Akers got hurt. And I happened to get that Todd France's number. So what I was doing was calling an Eagles kick, a former Eagles kicker who was with the team for maybe a month or two. I remember. I hadn't spoke to in probably a year or two. Unbelievable. <laughs> that, that's like me calling um... – I trying to call Greg Olson the tight end. I call uh-huh. Greg Olson the uh, – he's now the Raiders the offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. But I think one spells it with an E, one spells it with an O, like yeah. S-E-N or S-O-N. Yeah. Did that. Um, but that is unbelievable. What a chance is Todd, two Todd Francis. You, I know. And then, you know, well, like I can't just hang up on the guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Todd, how you been? And here I am thinking, man, I've really got to call the other Todd France soon. But it's unbelievable be, being dated <laughs> – you know, I had to run in with the, with, with, you know, in 11 at the combine. Uh-huh. And then I had, an, that's why I was trying to remember the time of, I had a, uh, another, another writer, but this guy was local. We had an issue leading up to that draft in 11. Yeah. It's uh, the only two. Uh, yeah. The only, the only the one publicly. Now, did you ever have any run-ins with some of the reporters here? No. Really? Yeah. I keep them. Okay. No, I got you. I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, no, nothing like that. I, and, and honestly, when, when when I usually don't, I usually just don't care. Like, yeah. do what they can say or do whatever they want. But if I think it's impacting my career or I got to stick up for people, I'm going to say something. You know? No, no. Well, I mean, there were, you know, uh, before we get out of here, you know, I was one of the few, the first guys, like, kind of on the whole, the Eagles are going to cut to Sean Jackson. Oh, and, that, oh, um, yeah. You know, so I wrote about it and it wasn't very popular at the time and people thought I was making it up, which is ridiculous. I do remember that, though, by the way. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, there were a couple of guys on the beat who were convinced that I was crazy and wrote, you know, stories that were very counter to what I wrote. And I was like, all right, you know, (laughs) that's fine. Um, But the the biggest backlash from that as far as being a reporter, especially back then, um, you know, was that 2000? Uh, 12, I guess. Uh, I forget what, what year they released him, but um, it was after. Oh, are we talking about the issue? The yeah, when they cut to Sean Jackson, yeah, that was 14. Yes, yeah, so, was it? Oh, yeah, geez, you're right. right um, after when I wrote that story, uh, back then it was pretty, pretty like commonplace where if you put, put a story on the internet, you'd have all the comments, like the hundreds, yeah, yeah. hundreds of comments. Yeah. yeah, never read the comments. I learned that day because one day I read one of the comments and someone said. Jeff Mosher is full of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he comes into my restaurant where I work all the time. And he wrote, next time he comes into my restaurant, I'm giving his meal the spit, semen, and pubic hair treatment, right? And I was like, what? Oh, my God. I cannot go out to eat in the entire Delaware Valley now. I've never heard this before. Yeah, yeah. He, it was a very, And listen, he could have been – this person could have been making it up. Awful. I don't know. What but I was trying to think of all the restaurants that I frequent in my head. And I'm like, I, I go to the restaurants. Like, who, who – it doesn't even matter. If it's Wendy's, I'm not yeah. going there, right? right. So I, my wife saw it, and she's like, what have you done? I'm like, I right. didn't – didn't, I'm just reporting. Did your job. So, and by the way, you were right. I know. And but and, but I had to wait like when they finally released him, then I could go out. To, I didn't go oh, yeah, out for yeah, dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't go to a restaurant 
Cause oh. that I spoke that story around. Um, oh, at least two months before it happened. So uh, two or three months, I didn't go. What out was the eat. wording? <laughs> By the way, the wording that he might be released or he could be released after the season, based on what you're hearing. So it was like this, and th- and this is part of the whole Twitter era where yeah. I was starting to learn and be better and try to report things without giving away sources, right? Because yeah, yeah. this one was major sensitive. I mean, yeah. the Eagles screamed at me when I wrote it. So, and because I, I didn't go to them, I should have gone to them for a comment. I didn't. I didn't because I didn't want them to know what I knew and then try to figure out who my sources were. You know, it was a, it was very difficult. And in fact, somebody wrote a book about the Chip Kelly area. I can't remember his name. The guy from Oregon, Mark something. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I know and something. he interviewed a couple of writers. I, you know, I declined to, to interview for it. And he wrote about that episode, Deshaun getting released and the media coverage of it. And uh, somebody who didn't put their name to it, someone in the media referred to my, you know, chronicling of the story as half-baked reporting, quote, half-baked reporting. And you know what? It's fair, but they didn't realize it was somewhat intentional. Like, I, it, it wasn't half-baked. I wrote, I, I knew he was going to get cut. I couldn't write, I know he's getting cut. Right. Sure. I wrote reasons why it would be very likely that he would get cut. Now, I remember you people wrote did it. not like that because he went to the Pro Bowl that year. It was really good that year. People couldn't but figure knew, out what was going on, right? You knew that him and Chip, him and yes. Chip had such I knew there issues. were a lot of things behind the scenes, he, and I he, knew it from many people. Yeah. The big um, one was he would he would not hustle because Chip's offense was all about speed. Mm-hmm. And he he'd walk up and it drove Chip crazy. Yeah. There were and, and there were there were some even other things off the field that had happened. Right, but I knew that was right. not gonna sit well right, off the field stuff. But right. on the field, I knew not, that yeah. By the way, let me clarify. It was not, not nothing about the um the NJ.com story yeah, about gang. Yeah, that's not what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. not. I'm just talking about other stuff. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I couldn't go to a restaurant. <laughs> and wow, and awful. I had to carefully report that one differently than I would normally. And maybe if I would go back, I would try to d- write it differently. But I, I had to protect my sources on that. I really had so, to. And I, and I don't mind that my reporting was perceived as half-baked. I was was that the first... Like, when you... This is really, you know, obviously we want to get out of here, but I, I, mm-hmm. I've heard you tell the story, but I didn't know about that other part. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Yeah. Cause it reminds me of when I, I was going to report and I got threatened and I didn't, I got, I just got threatened by people close to the situation, not to, to wait on it. Right. Um, when Bill O'Brien, I found out the Bill O'Brien interview with the Eagles in Martha's Vineyard and because of the sensitivity of recruiting and, and when he was at Penn state and I, I just, it was such a huge story because of it was the Eagles and Penn State and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And just remember um, this, you know, a, another, a, a Penn State reporter blew, like totally went after, like I'm professional. I called me an internet report, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, whatever, dude. I, and I wound up getting it right, you know, that he did interview. Yep. Um, but it just, it, it is amazing. Um, some of the stuff that you go through and then, man, you got to have thick skin, man. Yeah. Yeah. You have man, to have yeah. thick skin and be willing not to go out to eat for quite a while until you started. It happened, man. I, it's terrible, <laughs> well, man. Holy you shit. You know, it, it did really, it, it sucked. Like you started to see the ugliness that is out and you'll see it now on Twitter. That's why I'm, oh, I, I log I on, I post question, log off. And it's, even, it's, yeah, it's bad. It's, you didn't realize, you don't realize how close you are to it and how bad and pervasive it is until, there's just thousands and thousands of comments who people can't handle, you know, 
they'll never say Sometimes. it to your face. It's just straight the, news. Yeah. yeah. The thing Thanks, that man. I've learned in 21 years, I've ne- it's never happened to me where the people went after me on Twitter. They've never said a word to me because you're hiding behind a computer. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and the thing is, it, and you were talking about it again, you can't have a civil conversation. It's like Greg Cosell told me, you know, he'll, he, everything's from tape study. Mm-hmm. If, whatever team it is, when he does, when he, you know, his tape study shows the player struggling, they don't know what he's talking about. They'll curse him out, F you. And it's unbelievable things that he would say to him because he'll tell me, and I don't, I don't follow his comment, the, the, his mentions. Yeah. I'll go to see what they're saying. And I'm like, this is unbelievable what they're saying to him. It's just, I mean, it's, I know. It's, I get yeah. they're passionate, but come on, folks. Jeez. Yep. Yep. So anyway. I probably at least kept my weight down for that few months because I wasn't going out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, a, man. That's there was a positive. I've, I've, I've been, I mean, I've been, I've been threatened before. I just block them. Yeah. I mean, just block them. And yeah. Well, that's you... the thing is like, you just don't know who, like, do I know? I, I, maybe this person was completely lying, but how am I supposed to know? I'm not taking that chance. You know, I'm not going to go Jeez. look sorry, at everything brother. I order and, and wonder if there's I know. something it in it. So I'm just like, not uh, going. <laughs> the Seinfeld episode when um, George is the only one who doesn't get violently ill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and everyone else does at uh, the, the, the uh, at the dinner table. But anyway, good stuff. This is yeah, crazy. I didn't fun. know where we're going with this. That was fun. That was fun. So I hope everybody enjoyed the stories. Maybe we'll do this again next year. Because I, I still oh, yeah. feel like there's a, a couple other I can. We have more. We yeah, I, and this is long enough. And I'm sorry, folks, for keeping it you know, that long. But we appreciate those of you hung in there. Yep. Hope everybody enjoyed it. And uh, we gave them what they were looking for. So that'll do it for this uh, episode of Inside the Birds, the leading podcast in Eagles Intel. Big thanks to our producer, Hunter Brody. Check out his work uh, on YouTube. It's called, his channel is called Sports Talk with Broads. His website is broadsmedia.com. And you can see him on Twitter at Broads81. And as always, we thank you for flying with us inside the bird.